This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is... You win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that drinks in the same pubs and goes to matches together, just as it should be. Now, from a Chelsea perspective, Saturday was definitely super, with all of our rivals dropping points. Perhaps we should have known that Hull on Sunday would not be a walk in the park. It certainly wasn't a walk in the park for poor Ryan Mason, who got in the way of Gary Cahill's head and suffered a sickening head injury as a result. Hull proved tough, tough, even tough opposition, and thanks to Costa, yet again, and the ever-dependable Gary Cahill, Chelsea took care of the gap between us and our title rivals. I am Stamford Chidge, and the name of tonight's show is The Chelsea Fancast, Minding the Gap. Now, those of you who would have already realised that uh, we've been going for just over a minute and we've had no interruption, that tells us one thing. It tells us that Jonathan Kidd has not yet arrived. Uh, my partner in crime, I hesitate to say my right-hand man, uh, but he's, he's on his way. He's got stuck in traffic, but he will be here. He will be here. So anyway, enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, instead, uh, I can go straight to my other wonderful guests who uh, are probably... I would say definitely my right-hand man in more ways than one. It's it's Mr. Dan Silver, who I've actually tagged on all the stuff on the show uh, going out in the social media world tonight, uh, with his official title, uh, which is not provider of uh, the odd spare ticket for Chidge and buyer of pints in the pub beforehand. It is the he's the official uh, overseas supporters rep of the Chelsea Supporters Trust, aren't you, Dan? I'm indeed, yeah. What I'm really enjoying. Hmm. Well, maybe while we're in here tonight, if any of you lot who are from overseas and uh, you fancy asking Dan a, an important question, um, ping it into Mixler and I'll, I'll try and get it to him and then he can actually do some work for a change. Not that he doesn't normally, I hasten to add. Now, last but by no means least, um, this, is, this is one of the rare occasions, actually, on the Chelsea Fancast when I can genuinely say, back by popular demand, we have the lovely, the beautiful, gorgeous, the most 
witty and acerbic writer on the Chelsea scene today, the lovely Alex Churchill, also known as the girl who likes balls. Hello. God, that's not much of an introduction to live up to, is it? No pressure, Alex. No, <laughs> yeah, pr- no you pressure. Know, I, I, I build Be you witty up. now. <laughs> exactly. I build you up and then I knock you down. That's how we yeah. roll on this show. I mean, it really is lovely to have you both in the uh, in the house, as it were, with your uncle Chidge. Uh, Bonnie Rig Blues, Chidge smoking again. I can hear him. I've been rumbled. This would not happen in normal life, would it? You know, it's just, un- it seems to me... Un- uniquely unfair that I can get rumbled for smoking by, just by doing a bloody podcast. I have to admit <laughs> it, Bonnie Rig Blues, it is true. Um, and by the way, I'm very disappointed that we didn't see you in the pub, actually, because I knew you were around. Um, but what a shame, but never mind, hopefully next time. Now, on with the show. Uh, on the show tonight, uh, we'll send our best wishes for a speedy recovery to Ryan Mason. And we'll discuss the superb response by the Chelsea supporters uh, to both his injury and to the remembrance of Carl Wurzel O'Brien in part two we praise Hull Costa and Cahill but not the referee uh, as well as asking should Fabregas start ahead of Matic when we're at home and with the team looking somewhat fatigued does Hazard need a rest in part three with the Chelsea pitch owners AGM coming up on Friday we have an interview with CPO chairman Charles Rose to discuss the Chelsea pitch owners what happens next now we have permission to redevelop the stadium and why the CPO are still relevant. In part four, uh, we have some excellent emails, which will no doubt provoke a bit of discussion, and Jonathan will be here to read them. Panic not, dear children, panic (laughs) not. Now, uh, don't forget, of course, you can listen to the show live. It's live every Monday at seven o'clock by going to Mixler, mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast. And, of course, if you do, you'll join lots and lots of people, many of whom are in here tonight. I can see a few names. Bonnie Rig Blues, I've mentioned. Kurt Chelsea, Blue and Gold Blue, Clive Lewis. Um, I'm sorry. Oh, Matt Jazz is here. It's great, I think, to see. Yeah, lovely. Matt Jazz is here. John Chips Chipperton, Dylan Hughes, Dan Francisco. So many uh, great mates, some of whom we're lucky enough to see occasionally in the pub. Uh, but, of course, you can uh, you can post on there, and I'll try and read them out. I normally forget, but they're kind of used to that. Uh, of course, always tweet Chelsea Fancast. Uh, again, during the show, I might not see it, but uh, I love to get your tweets about uh, the show uh, and anything else on Chelsea. Now, uh, talking of which, it was great to see Mark from Ireland uh, in the Cock Tavern on Sunday. Uh, Mark's often in uh, the Mixer chat room with you guys, accompanied by his partner in crime, Waylon. So we had a pint or two with him. It was lovely to see him. In fact, actually, it was a great turnout in the pub, which, of course, is very much uh, what watching Chelsea together, in my opinion, is all about. Now, to name-check a few, we had Athens John. We had Pete, the Oxford drinking machine. We had two True Blue Terries, Martin Wickham, Tony Glover, who was on the show last week, my great-great buddy, Johnny T. We had the legend and probably the nicest person in the world, Mr. Walter Otten. We had Ian Titchener, we had Canal, we had former Chelsea Supporters Trust chairman Tim Rolls, we had Pablo, Clayton, Dan Silver, uh, we had a fan cast all in the pub really, didn't we? And we had Rick and Ollie Glanville, Rick of course is Chelsea's official uh, historian and also director of the CPO. We had Mr Bridger, the general, and by the way Mr Bridger, um, I hope everything works out, uh, you know what I mean. Anyway, best of luck to you. Cliff Auger, we had Tommy, many, many more. In fact, it was a veritable who's who of Chelsea Fancast, Chelsea Twitter and Chelsea Supporters Trust. It was brilliant. 
so much so that, of course, you know, I again thought, well, do I really want to go to the game or should I just stay in the pub? Anyway, bottom line is I had to think about this on the way home and it kind of makes me realise just how lucky and privileged we are that we can meet up with each other every other week in the pub before watching Chelsea rather than being disconnected from it all thousands of miles away. Um, yeah, it was a kind of a weird reflective thought, but that was what came into my head. In fact, as Donald Trump would say, great, great people, so great, so lucky, making Chelsea great again. And then he'd go, oh, build a wall. Build a wall. No, he'd never do that. <laughs> but no, I mean, in all seriousness, no, I'm not joking. No, really, you know, I'm, I'm not thought, joking either. I, you know, I thought, blimey, because we've, we've got loads of mates, you know, who are from all around the world who don't have the opportunity to do that. And, and when you see a gathering in the pub like that, it just kind of made me feel how lucky and privileged I was, really. So there we go. Aww. On that happy note, I know. I'm Group getting hug. soft in my Group hug. I know. No, you're right. Soft. You're absolutely right. We are spoiled. We are, aren't we? Anyway, uh, on that very happy note, we're going to have a quick break and then we'll be back to talk about the football. Okay, we're back, and uh, not only are we back, but I'm delighted that we do now have Jonathan Kidd in the house. Uh, you all right, mate? I am, thank you. I've been uh, working for the for the BBC today. Have and, you? What uh, were you doing for them? I was. Uh, I'm in Hal Cruttenden. You know the comedian Hal Cruttenden. I'm in his, uh, his his radio show playing uh, a variety of uh, of thespy characters. It's uh, was he in Red Dwarf? And um, no, no, that's. Um, uh, Chris Barry, no, Hal Crutton did no, they, uh, they like that. He's a bit sort of, you know, oh, and then I, uh, then I, uh, or, um, it's all about things like, oh, and my my wife is uh, is building a basement. Should I have anything to do with that? You know, it's all sort of all um, slightly uh, um, deeply middle class jokes. Lovely. Well, it would. It but, is the anyway, BBC. Yes, so I'm, I've just, I'm just, I'm just, indeed, I've just been doing that, which um, which is great fun. But we were stuck at Oxford Circus, <coughs> and they closed the station, so that's why. Mm. I'm a bit late. All right, well, never mind. You're here now, and that's the main thing. Now, uh, first thing I want to talk about, really, about the Chelsea-Hull City game is not really about the game, actually, This, this the rest of this part. Uh, we're going to talk about the game in more detail after the break. But um, first thing I have to say, I mean, whoa, whew, what a sickening, sickening injury to poor old Ryan Mason. Um, I mean, I, I didn't hear it because I'm up in the Matthew Harding upper, but many people apparently said they heard the crack as their skulls connected. But I think the thing that I'm really... I mean, obviously, we want to pass on our best wishes to him and, 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 and wish him a very, very speedy recovery. I don't, you know, nobody wants to see that on a football pitch. Um, but uh, the thing I really want to talk about was what a great uh, response from the from the Chelsea fans. Um, I mean, actually, you would have got a really good view of that, Jonathan, because you're kind of in the middle, so you see it all. But it was really uh, heartwarming to see everybody in the ground applauding him off, uh, obviously realising that it was quite serious, don't you think? Oh, fabulous reaction. Absolutely fabulous. Um yeah, it was um, it was utterly spontaneous, and everybody was was the fact that it also took nine minutes. There's something really serious going on there, so we're yeah. actually we're all worried for him. And as you say, huge collision. And um, I was surprised that Gary Cahill got up all right. I thought they were both out, not only out for the count. I thought he was as badly injured. But um, 
and seeing the pictures back of it, he obviously caught him with his forehead on the side of the skull, which is a very mm. vulnerable part, didn't he? Um, but and I got slightly confused as to why um, Gaza was allowed straight back on, knowing all of these, this constant, um, this, this current um, worry about um, concussion, rightly so. But apparently he was given the all clear because, because he just effectively, it was as if he'd headed the ball, but he'd uh, yeah. unfortunately headed, headed Ryan Mason, who was sideways on. Um, but yeah, the poor chap and the response from the team was uh, was fabulous as well as no, the fans. It was, a, it an, was outpouring of, an outpouring of support, wasn't there? It was brilliant. It was heart, really, really, really heartwarming. I tell you the other thing. You know, the other thing is, it's really odd. I mean, it's just like a collective uh, load of love uh, in the main out, outpoured uh, for for Chelsea supporters, really, which is really nice. I mean, even even match of the day. Uh, you know, uh, mentioned how how, yeah. how good we were, and I've seen a lot of it in the media, Alex, and also by other fans. Which is, you know, they've suddenly discovered that we're not a bunch of uh, urinating, vomiting, defecating, racist, uh, train pushing, uh, asbo inducing supporters. Alex, nice to see. Oh, you, wasn't speak it? for your, speak for yourself. And that, uh, yeah, no. say, that, <laughs> no, that's just me. That's just me. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. you know. No, absolutely. I think oh, well, I'm in the shed upper, and yes, you heard the crack, and it was quite horrific. And I think from where I sit, it was clear. I think that Mason was out for a few seconds before yeah. he came round. Cahill was moving the whole time. And I think we sort of got a side-on view of it, and it. I think I thought immediately that Mason would be the one that'd come off worse on it, but no, it was a great response. I think it was so obvious so quickly that there was no sort of milking it that nobody was going to get arsy with him for being down and really you just don't want to it's like you say you don't want to see that at a football game do you it sort of mm. puts the three points out of the window no absolutely right i mean the other thing dan is that you know uh, i think the the hull and the chelsea medical staff have been uh widely widely praised today which is also good to see it it kind of makes me think remember i mean i bet you remember this dan you remember when uh frank leboeuf got an egg frank leboeuf yes. got an earth on his head do you remember that against Rob- robbie o against wimbledon yeah, they I mean that wouldn't yeah. happen today, would it? They wouldn't be allowed to play on, would they? Right. No, I think that you know the whole, well, probably since the Peter Check incident, I think the whole, yeah, you know, thing with head injuries has changed completely. And I think also, you know, instances like that, football rivalry goes out the window. And I think it's, you know, this it's a nice thing to do. It's the right thing to do because you don't really care about football when someone's lying there with oxygen, you know, on their face and no one knows what's going on. I think it's, it was it was a great response and and cred, credit due to. To our fans for behaving really well, and also for um, Steve Holland and Gary Cahill and John Terry, who went to see uh, Mason Hospital after the match yesterday. So I gather, yeah, no, yeah. That, that's really, really good to see as well. And again, you know, the media were, were were good at reporting that. I mean, I think that's the other thing that I wanted to say. Really, it was, you know, it was good to see the media reporting on a on a, on a positive thing that we do. You know, because we do seem to be public enemy number one for far too much of the time. Um, the other thing, Jonathan, I mean, there was a bit of abuse, apparently, of, of Gary Cahill on Twitter, but I think we could just write that down to a few complete burks, can't we? Oh, at a, at a knob ends, Chidge. Mm. Ridiculous. Why mm. would they abuse him? What for? For doing what? Well, because they can. For being involved in a, in a collision, for, yeah. for visiting, visiting his parents in hospital. For, mm. for doing what? For feeling upset. Even Conte um, commented it. They were worried about his emotional state because he was yeah. so upset half-time. I think the abuse is more to do. The abuse is more to do with with the fact that, that I think people have felt that it, it was a reckless challenge and he shouldn't have been on the pitch. I mean, what a load of nonsense! Oh, what he went for the ball for goodness' sake! Complete fifty-fifty. Yeah, totally ridiculous. Totally. Yeah. Any anybody in the in in Twitter would have a go about most ridiculous things in the end. You just I mean, anybody would have thought that it was coming from uh, what was it? Clickbaiting polemicists. 
Yes, yes. I should be, shouldn't I? I should be taking their side now if I'm a clickbait polemicist. I should be saying, they're absolutely right to get at Cahill. How dare he go for the ball? How dare he try to score? And he deliberately, he deliberately butted he butted poor Mason. That's what if I really was a, a clickbait polemic. You would indeed. Yeah. Well, there were a few of those going around. I think Nicky Kilduff, actually, who I'm delighted to see in Mixler as always, has made a really good point. He said, I think Chelsea fans have an especially high sensitivity to incidents like that since the Czech incident. Never good to see, but Goody's improving. I think, Alex, that's a really good point, actually. Maybe, yeah. maybe we are a bit more aware because <laughs> of you know, what we had to witness with Czech. Absolutely, yeah. And I think as well, like, unfortunately, social media brings out the best in people, sort of with people coming out and wishing Ryan Mason well and following his recovery. But it also brings out the utter fuck Muppets with nothing better to do than just mm. argue with people because they can't get attention any other way. So mm. just considering that Gary Cahill is like the footballing equivalent of a soppy Labrador, it's not like he's got a record of being <laughs> vindictive and trying to hurt people, is it? He's like the nicest person alive so no he is just... lovely isn't he gary cahill I, 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 I'm, I'm really i'm really falling in love with gary um somebody else has something really interesting and i hope it's not slow oh, it's tony the reverend tony glover who's taking a back seat this week he's uh, in the mixler room with you lot rather than on the show uh, he's on next week actually for those of you who would like to know uh, as wait by way of a reminder to him that he is but he says the media being positive to us hang on it's all disappeared down the bloody thing this normally happens on proper radio shows, but it's fa- happening to us for once. Uh, he said, the media being positive to us, a lot to do with Conte, I think. Like Carlo, it's hard to dislike him, Dan. I think that's a good point, isn't it? Yeah, I was actually about to say that point. I think um, Antonio's completely changed the dynamic of the club and how it's perceived. He's, he's such a classy gentleman. I mean, everyone seems to love him. He's, he's gracious. The first thing he said was in the interview... I hope Rob Mason's okay. He just he just gives mm. he's painting the club with a much better picture than the you know the previous um, antagonistic you know manager. You know, a lot of things said about Yeah, I mean, you know what? Do you know what I was thinking about actually? Uh, and I'm sure Jonathan will have a view on this too. But you know what 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 strikes me about Conte, apart from so many other things, is that he. Uh, you know he he's a he's a real gentleman, but he has a maturity. Doesn't he's a mature? You know he has a maturity about him. And I think a lot of the other you look at a lot of the other managers, Wenger pushing uh, the referee, Mourinho every week <laughs> saying something stupid. Uh, you know Klopp has his moments, Guardiola. They all act like children, don't they? There's a petulance about them. Whereas Conte is measured gentlemanly and and acts like an adult, Jonathan. Don't you think? Well, when when you see Conte behaving the way he does, it makes you realise that we we've. Uh... He's slightly embraced as our hero, somebody with a, um, a very abrasive personality in Mourinho. And uh, it was OK when he arrived, I think. But the uh, latterly, uh, you know, he's just become a complete sourpuss. And of course, the worst of them all is Guardiola, who's just completely weird. Wanker. Uh, oh, completely good. But he, <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand why um, people get very defensive about him and say, no, that's good to have a manager like that. Man City fans on Twitter in particular. But you want to go, no, it. it Conte says the exact opposite. You know, I have to say I'm a fan of Klopp. I think Klopp's a, a decent human being and a nice chap. And as a consequence, one's attitude towards the, the Liverpool team changes. Your attitude towards the team changes if they're not, not for me, mate. No, it it's, doesn't. It's not, no, no, not for me. All right. No, all right. No, <laughs> Love, Klopp, hate Liverpool. All right. no, from my point of view, no, I agree. I agree. Perhaps I'm overdoing it with Liverpool. But I like. But I have to say, I like Klopp. So I'm more. I, no, I'm no, more, I agree I'm with that, mate. More forgiving of them. Yeah. But when they when they then. Um, uh, lose uh, to um, um, or open their mouths. Yeah, 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 true. Yeah, then then <laughs> yeah. I change my view. 
But I do. Nah. But no. But I think it means as a figurehead, it just goes to prove. That no, no, God, Jonathan, I, I, I agree with you. Actually, you know, I have monstrous hatred for Liverpool, as we all know and love. But I, I, I don't mind Klopp. I think Klopp's all right. I think that's a really good point. Listen, I'm going to move this on, chaps, because uh, chaps and chap s, because uh, we still got a little bit to talk about before we go to a break. Um, but I think you know, on the theme of great responses by the fans, I just have to say how utterly moved and touched I was by the unbelievably great response uh, on the 55th minute uh, to remembering Carl Wurzlow O'Brien. Obviously, we mentioned it on the show last week to try and get people to applaud on the 55th minute, and we were getting the message out on social media, as was the Supporters Trust, as so many people were. It was brilliant. Um, I was even more delighted to see that Neil Barnett, I I knew this was going to happen, actually, because I'd I'd kind of been in touch with people who had been in touch with him, but uh, Neil Barnett uh, said some words at halftime, and they had a lovely picture of Wurzel up on the screen. Uh, and of course, we also had the, uh, you know, the We Are the Shed Boys, Richard and the We Are the Shed Boys, with their banner at the same time. And and yet again, you know, carrying on the theme, what I was talking about a minute ago about uh, the way the media, you know, applauded us for for our applauding of of uh, Ryan Mason. Um, there was a lovely bit. John Jonathan Pierce outdid himself. Actually, knew knew all the facts, knew what was going on, had clearly read about mm. it, and. Uh, and mentioned it on Match of the Day. And I just, I was just so delighted. And I was even more delighted by the fact that right after the applause, there was a massive, great big Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. It was really, really good. Alex, I mean, you know, you were in the, you were in the shed, I suppose. You're probably quite near to the banner and everything, but you must have been delighted to, to see the response. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm from Sutton, so he's, he's, on my doorstep was where it happened yeah. and obviously I hope they catch the utter shitbags that did it but um, no it was really great to see and as they said he's been a season ticket holder for 40 years and a Chelsea fan for half a century and it's, it's just like when we lost one of our chaps in the tram crash as well it is like it sounds really sappy and disgusting but it mm. is like a big football family and when one of you when we lose someone and especially in circumstances like that that are a shock then yeah I just think those kind of responses are lovely they're kind of mm. a goodbye aren't they that they was are. a, I just thought thank, it's thank you Carl and goodbye yeah beautifully done particularly because his family were there weren't they Dan mm. I think I think his son and his daughter were yeah. there Dan I mean you 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 what are your views on it were you, were you really pleased to see that I'm sure you were yeah I think it's it's a really nice touch to echo Alex sentiments you know it, it is it is a bigger Chelsea family and he was a 40-year veteran he, he got a f- phenomenal response I think I think it's, it's such a great idea rather than minute silence or anything else like that you know 55 for his age I think even the whole fans were joining as well. Just a really nice, mm. nice touch and great, great for the family. It really yes, is. Yeah. You know, it's one of these it new was. fans in football. I think are really good. It's like yeah, you it's said when they. Um, sorry, when you said that they went on to the Chelsea, Chelsea. I think I that happened straight away, didn't it? And I did think yeah. he would have liked that. He would have. I thought that at the time, actually, uh, Alex. I think that's a really good point, Jonathan. Well, I, I just want. Jo- I just want Jonathan. Hello, hello, yeah, hello, 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 Jonathan, Jonathan, Earth to hello, Earth to Jonathan. I just wanted to ask you particularly because. And one thing I happen to know is that the club don't normally, uh, they're not really as accommodating for things like this, actually. But I think, to be fair to the club, they were incredibly accommodating of all of this, uh, which is really, think- really pleased to see. The, one, the thing I really wanted to ask you, Jonathan, because you've been going so much longer than all of us, I, I can't remember such a good response to something like that for a fan. I really can't. I mean, can you think of anything? Uh, um. No, in actual fact, I no. can't. I mean, it, it, it you know, it's be, rare, isn't it? I think it seems to be sort of... I think that they're tuning in, which I have a lot to say, I think is to do with the uh, the supporters' trust. And I think the um, the fact that the, the fans are having 
such a presence and are making their feelings known um, more just is leading to um, them understanding the uh, uh, you know on a, on a, on a slightly uh, basic level the 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 PR qualities um, is terrific and also from an emotional point of view it, it it's significant. If it's like we matter, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I mean, I don't think is callous in them thinking, "Oops, we better give in to it." I think they're they're beginning to understand. And um, and and my my experience Wonderful. as this because um, uh, I'm this I'm the fans forum representative for the uh, one of the uh, one of them for the East Stand, and um, uh, there's an enormous sensitivity that I hadn't really realised. Um, they're very keen to get things right for the fans. Mm. And um, mm. this was something that I would never have known um, if I hadn't been um, appointed to this uh, um, position uh, initially as a gag by members in, 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 in Aussies where I am. And nobody else applied. So I ended up doing it. But obviously, I'm taking my, my responsibilities very seriously. And the amount of information and the, the amount of, um, of, in, of empl- uh, high profile employees coming up and saying, what is your view? What, what do the fans think? What do you all think? has been really, really revealing. And I think I think it's a, a fantastic way forward for the club. And I think mm. regardless, occasionally you think they're a bit, you know, high and mighty, but I think it's actually getting through to them. And I, and I, I, the, the fact that it, 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 I think this will happen more often. And I think obviously the, the circumstances were pretty awful for him. So it's unlikely that, um, um, you know, it, it, I think the, the programme, there will be a position for talking about other, other people's, um, you know, unfortunate demise. But in this instance, this was particularly... Ghastly, and as you say, somebody of of um, of of, uh, of such thought so much of within the club. I, I think uh, it, it's it's the kind of thing the club is 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 really keen to, keen to do because they were really good on so them. They were the, they were brilliant, weren't they? No, but they were really good on the. Um, I'm sorry, I've forgotten his name, but the poor chap who died in the tram crash as well. Even yes, as yes. that was going round on Twitter, and people were saying, "Let's all applaud him." The club already knew; they were already in touch with his family, and and it wasn't just a dialogue of sort of uh, like from the PR perspective and from the fans' perspective, but it was very much sort of centered around what the family were comfortable with as well and what they would want to happen. So it was quite selfless as well. It wasn't all just about what the fans in the stadium would want and what the club would want to be perceived as. Okay, well, look, good stuff, people. Um, We've got to go to a break. uh, But, of course, before we do that, um, you know, again, uh, get well soon, Ryan Mason, and, of course, RIP Carl Wurzel O'Brien. And well done to everybody who helped to uh, organise such a great response for that. I was was really moved, actually, when I saw that. And I'm a cynical old so-and-so, so so it takes a lot for that to happen. Now, after the break, uh, we praise Hull, Costa and Cahill, but not the referee. Uh, as well as asking, should Fabregas start ahead of Matic when we're at home? And with the team looking somewhat fatigued, does Hazard need a rest? The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast part two. And uh, I'm, we, have, we are now fully caught for the beginning of this part. We have the, uh, the erudite uh, and wise Jonathan Kidd. Oh, how nice to be an old owl. 
Mm, you are. <laughs> Jonathan, I've got I've had an idea actually. Um, you know, uh to, to I it's a actually I'll be really I'll be very transparent with you. It's kind of a it'll be a vain a vain. No, it'll it'll be a in, an in vain attempt money? Uh, to, to No, it's it, 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 it'll it's it's probably a fool's errand to stop you you know, slagging off the team when we don't reach the reach the perfection that you so crave. But uh, <laughs> what what I've thought of, my idea is, is that maybe we dedicate a little bit of the show each week. We won't do it this this week, but you know, in view of the fact that you've been, you know, you've been watching since the fifties, so you you've got like you know twenty five years in some respects over me. Um, and and I just thought it'd be really nice each week to try and pick a, a game or a player that you would have seen play or you would have seen the match that none of us would have done and get you to talk a little bit about that. Is that a good idea? Yeah, I'd love to. You know, yeah, it gives you a bit of air time? I, yeah, various players I, I, I love from uh, sixes. Barry Bridges is one of my favourite players. So yeah, absolutely I've met Barry player. Bridges. Yeah, yeah, he attended occasionally. He's a sweet chap, I've heard. Yeah, he was in the Cock, the cock Tavern, our, our chosen pub. Well, I wish I'd been there. I wish I'd been. Yeah, no, it was and, brilliant. Um, uh, you know, and I've talked talked about my my joy for Venable to that scene. Lots of the Doherty's boys were. Uh, um, it was a great team, and uh, and I, I can remember it. Where it was perversely, um, I think it's when we've become absolutely dreadful. I've forgotten most of the games, but that was sort of uh, deliberately selective. Um, um, but uh, yeah, no, I'd love to, love to, Chidge. Yeah, mm. great. Well, we'll work on that. You and I, you know, well, I'll get my people. I'll get my people to speak to your people, and we'll come to an arrangement. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're all listening at the moment. I've got three of them in the bedroom with me. Oh, here have you? So, yeah. Oh, have you? Good. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll behave ourselves and give you more right. airtime then. That's right. Okay. Or maybe we'll give you less airtime. Otherwise, they'll probably want more money. You know, we can't have that. Uh, anyway, I'm don't, delighted don't I, to have Jonathan. Don't I pay you, Chidge? Don't I? Pay yes, you that's right. Yeah, you pay show. me more, Jonathan. Pay me more. Of course. Great. Of course, always, as always, have Jonathan in the house, as we know. Uh, and we've got the lovely Dan. Dan, my great mate. Without whom, I would probably actually. The weird thing is, we talked about it before the show, but. I've actually got uh, my own seat for the Chelsea Brentford Cup match next week, and that's the first time I can remember buying my. I can't remember the last time I bought my own seat because normally what happens is I forget, and then I phone Dan up and I say, "Dan, Dan, 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 have you got a spare for the cup match?" Yeah. And of course, Dan's brilliant, and he and, and, and he sorts me out one. So there we go. So it's great to have you in the house, Dan. Yeah, good to be back. Good to be back. Excellent. Uh, and of course, Dan is the. Uh, I, I keep saying this, but if there's anybody from overseas listening, and I know that there are, Dan is the official. Uh, he's the overseas uh, supporters uh, rep on the Chelsea Supporters Trust. So he's worth. If you want to ping uh, a question to Dan, I'm sure I can get it through to him, and you can answer it tonight. Now, last mate, but definitely by no means least, we've got the fabulous uh, girl who likes balls, also known as Alex Churchill, uh, sometimes seen selling the fanzine on a match day but lovely to see her and of course lovely to read your blog up on the Chelsea Fancast website today Alex I don't dare read it I was so drunk when I wrote it last night I'm a bit worried about what it might say there's nothing no, in a, not too inappropriate in there is there it was very funny I mean I'm serious oh, okay. you know you you think that I'm I'm blowing smoke up your your rather nice derriere but actually <laughs> I'm not but I I compared you I said that you are like you are you are to football to Chelsea football writing what Hunter S. Thompson was to American politics. I rate you that highly. But without the cool hat. Without the cool hat and the shades and the cigarette holder, obviously. But, exactly. And a huge drug habit. But other than yeah, that, I'd well, say, you know, <laughs> no, other than that, I'd say you are that good. Season, no. Anyway, I'm, I'm obviously in a very magnanimous mood tonight because I'm being really lovely to everybody. So that has to stop. As, as, as Donald Trump would say, it stops right here, right now. 
Uh, that'll be the last Trumpism I come out with tonight. I might do a, like a silent Trump, but you won't hear that. Anyway, that's a, that's a, that's a gag. Anyway, um, let's talk about football. Otherwise, people will turn off in their droves. I wouldn't blame them. Um, my kind of overview of the game, really, was that um, we were clearly, clearly the much better side. Um, but Hull made it really tough for us. And actually, I thought, actually, funnily enough, in your blog, Alex, you, 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 you made a real point of that. And, and I remember seeing Match of the Day two last night and the the, the shots on on target or the attempts were pretty much identical as was the possession it's not often you can say that in a in a home match uh, with Chelsea is it I did say if they play like that every week they won't go down and just all credit to them because much better in inverted commas teams come to Chelsea and bore the living shit out of me whereas actually they turned up to play football and they did so very well and most of it came from a really good display by Harry Maguire at the back but they have if as long as they don't get injuries because they've not got a lot of personnel have they I think they could honestly stay up if they play like that every week I thought they were really well drilled um really efficient and yeah they made it difficult Mm, they did um and fair play to them actually you know it's quite funny I kind of had a horrible feel Dan Dan will you know validate this but I I don't know everybody was feeling really nervous in the pub before or was it just Tony Glover I don't recall but I was really confident I thought we were going to absolutely batter them and I got it so 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 wrong um Dan I'm going to um ask you this question and I'm going to talk to Jonathan about the referees because of course Jonathan is the expert when it comes to that but the one thing occurred to me Dan was that and we were talking about this in the pub before weren't we you know Hull have have, have given away more penalties than any other side in the Premier League I think or something some mad stat like that and it just occurred to me during the game you know why why weren't any of our players Hazard in particular running into the box you know, in full knowledge that some great big hoofing hull defender or idiot like Matt Dawson would foul them. I was really surprised by that. Were you? Yeah, we didn't seem to get anywhere in the penalty box for a lot of the match. A lot of nice sort of intricate passing. But we don't really recall their keeper making too many saves or too many shots away. As Alex said, this name, they were superbly drilled, well set out, defended really well. And they, they were you know, a little bit unlucky not to, uh, not to grab a point. I think it was one of those games where... It's a very nervous one nil, not a confident one nil, because you thought, you know, and he takes a, you know, a deflection or a, a shot on goal, and it's game's completely changed. I think we were mm. well below par, but not to take anything away from Hull's performance. I mean, Haz- yeah. Hazard was definitely off his game yesterday. I thought maybe because he got a nick. I think it was in the first half, and I don't think he fully recovered from that. Cause he got fouled um, either late in the first half or early in the second half, and he didn't really do anything after that. Listen, you win. I I tweeted, "It's winning Martin Keown." You know, you got to win ugly sometimes to win the league, and that's what we did. Can I just say as well? I love your contempt for Spurs ex-players so much that you just don't even bother getting their names right. Who? (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Who? Who? I don't care. Jonathan. Jonathan. Yes. I mean, you know, I will allow you a quick overview, but what I really want you to talk about is the fact that. Frankly, and I know Alex picked this up in her blog, uh, which is well worth a read, by the way, mate, if you get the chance. But uh, I think the referee had a stinker. Cundy thought so as well. I mean, obviously, we had the uh, the Costa's goal where he was actually onside. And, and frankly, having seen Match of the Day, I, I didn't really see this live. But Alonso definitely uh, clipped one of their attackers, and that was a penalty. So another yeah, yeah. stinky refereeing performance but I know you're, you're, you are the expert for that so I'd love to hear your views on that but I will allow well, you a quick overview of the game well, my, I actually feel what nobody's spoken about was I felt that um, uh, everybody was affected by the injury 
Oh. And I felt the uh, I felt the tempo went out of the game out of the nine minutes that uh, that the game halted and everybody got cold. And I thought that also I think people were emotionally affected by it, as was it the ground. It sucked the atmosphere out the stadium, it did. didn't absolutely, it? Absolutely, absolutely agree. It did, it did. And uh, and I thought that we then played at a tempo. I thought we weren't doing badly up until that that uh, um, until the injury. Uh, and we were, well, we know we were dominating. Um, and and I just thought that we we seemed to lose focus. Um, as did both teams, and I thought the second half was was a consequence was was even worse. Um, but um, uh, yeah, Hazard definitely got injured. Uh, um, but I, I felt from a refereeing point of view, um, uh, he he seemed to be um, conned every single time that um, anybody fell over. Um, so that uh, if a Chelsea player, if, if you tackled somebody strongly and the guy fell over, even though you hadn't, even though you won the ball cleanly, um, he would give a foul. There seemed to be foul after foul after foul. And I thought he was slightly off the pace, actually. And also my, my big thing about poor old Hazard is that um, if Hazard is running with the ball at speed and two blokes uh, hone in on, on him and he falls over and, and they get the ball, the chances are, he really hasn't dived. The chances are <laughs> yeah. because he's ahead of them. And I, I find this a sort of constant bemusement about why the referee is deciding it isn't a foul. When clearly, clearly, they're not up to his pace. He's beaten them and they both come in from the side. Do you know what, though? I have one Arsenal friend, one, and he said he thinks Hazard is very good at leaving a trailing leg to purposely get fouled and it drives him up the wall, which I don't see. But no, I perhaps don't see it that's why the referees aren't giving them. But you, know, you wonder whether, in fact, in which case, are the referees prejudiced towards that kind of prejudice, towards that kind of thing? Are they thinking, oh, he's going to die? Has it gone round? They go, oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's shamming. In which case, why don't they book him? Um, but, or, or it just doesn't seem to be consistent with me. But I, I find this whole process of of um, uh, line the, the role of the linesman with the referee just absolutely amusing and bemusing because they some of them seem to be scared of making decisions. If the referee is a dominant decision, I know that for my time, brief period as a referee, as uh, some referees will try and dominate it so much that they'll say, "I don't want any decisions from you. I'm the one who makes the decision." And it makes the referee, makes the linesman go into their shell. Because I don't know if you clocked at the other end, but the huge ironic cheer in the 72nd minute when the linesman on the west side actually made a decision. Yes, yes. And I, but I wonder whether, whether that was the fact that this referee is quite a dominant referee and doesn't want the linesman to make the decisions as much, which is, I know this is a fact. They actually do that. They say, try and do more balling out of play. I'm in charge. Uh, offside yeah. than balling out of place. So, so you, consequently, the, the linesman ceases to have a role. Or if he's had a role and has been told, I'm not interested by the referee, he then becomes goes into his shell. And he then becomes like anybody on, on an enormous stage with 41,000 people. He gets nervous. So you wonder whether the, what the balance is that's going on. But um, uh, I, I think this particular referee, I think, Chid, you were right. He was, uh, he was strange. He just didn't... Yeah. He, he didn't seem to be. He seemed to lumber about a bit. I mean, I'd, I'd love to. I don't know why they're not. Uh, we're not allowed to, to criticize them. I don't know why they're not allowed to be interviewed. Well, you know, in America, this is I the big thing. I'll say. I'll say. Can it? I'll say one thing, Jonathan. He ain't no friend of mine. Anyway, Ooh. moving on. Moving yeah, on, yeah. Dan. You know, yeah. just just kind of generally. I mean, it, you know, it was weird, wasn't it? it, it there were moments when we were brilliant. I mean, I remember a, a Kante pass. 
I think it was the pass to William actually, which got the second, uh, you know, which led to the second goal. It actually made me go ooh in a in a Guinness moment type styley. But you know, the thing is, I, I'm I was really chuffed for Costa actually getting that goal because uh, you know that was sticking it up to all and sundry, and it was a cracking yeah. celebration. I thought Cahill's uh, Cahill's goal was a proper old. Sc- I don't know what it is, but I love goals like that. I, so I really I. got quite excited. Um, but I did think that we lost some zip in the second half, and actually that's when Hull, I think, had their best period in the game. And I, it was crying out, actually, for William to give us some zip. And, and, uh, and of course, Conte did the right thing and brought him on, and also Fabregas. And I thought he did add some quality for that, uh, that you know, assist for the second goal with that yeah. beautifully weighted cross. So it wasn't all doom and gloom, was it? I mean, there were, I thought there were spells where he played really, really well. I was far, far from doom and gloom. I think people ex- expect champagne football every week. It, it just doesn't yeah. happen. It was it was a solid performance. Possibly the results maybe gave us a false sense of security because suddenly you think, well, everything's gone our way. You know, yeah, our, our title was all losing, and maybe we've got a little bit um, what's the word careless, possibly. But listen, we won two 0 We look back at this in May. We think, oh yeah, whole two 0 good results, solid performance, two points, no injuries, no red cards. We did what we did what we had to do. We you know, yeah. started the weekend. You know, and finished it at eight points clear. You can't really ask for much more. You can't indeed. Um, talking of Fabregas, I'm, I'm going to open up this little debate here because this has been uh, one that's been kicking around. Um, you know, I've, I've, funnily enough, I've actually talked to Kerry about this. Um, you know, one of those rare occasions where I've got Kerry to agree with me on the on the Kerry Dixon show. But um, I, I'm I'm kind of coming round to the idea that it's horses for courses. Although, of course, Hull did play well, so maybe this. You know, uh, who, who am I to argue with Conte, who after all knows a little bit more about football than even me. But it, it does seem to make a bit of sense when it's hard to break a team down and they are being rather dogged. Do you really need to have Matic and Kante playing as holding midfielders when perhaps oh. just Kante would do, Alex? I mean, does, does, you know, does it does it make sense to bring, you know, to have Fabregas starting so we can open teams up a bit earlier? I said, um, I don't know if I put these exact words in the blog, but I did say I thought we would have been two or three up by half time with Fabregas. I just think mm. with that, because you just want that pass, don't you? I, it, nothing going in in the air to the box was getting through. They kind of sussed at the end of the first half to put it in on the ground, because like you say, Hull are clumsy. But I honestly think if we started with Fabregas and Kante, we probably would have had a couple of those passes in the first half, might have made more of them, and then you can take him off and then you can sort of go safer with Matic. And I don't think you start with Matic and Kante at home against Hull City. That was my mm, opinion. So you would definitely be a fan of that. Um, Dan, what, would, what do you reckon? Um, I agree to the point that Matic has got seven assists this season, so he's, he's yeah. no mark. He, also, he hasn't got Fabregas's vision. And maybe the argument is you put Fabregas in instead of one of the, the front three or in a, a three man midfield. I listen, you can't, listen, Conte's got it right. You know, Fabregas comes on, sets yeah. up the second goal. Can I walk anyone? We'll 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 expert managers in our own way. I think Conte comes in, yeah. Fabregas comes on, turns the game. Beautiful pass for for um, Cahill. Game over. This, this, I, this, I mean, Jonathan. 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 Yeah, Jonathan be a bit contentious here. Yeah. I think the problem yeah, was, was that I, I thought Pedro had one of his worst games, and um, uh, all the corners he was taking, he was hitting the first man. He wasn't. Uh, he was part, He was giving the ball away a lot, and um, and so when uh, when Fabregas and William came on. Um, it reverted to its, it to you know, if normal service was resumed, we mm. suddenly dominated them. And I thought Fabregas was wonderful when he came on, um, and uh, and he is a, a real class act. As the crowd um, rewarded him with the several 
several renditions of. Uh, they Fabric did, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Didn't they? I thought the, I have to say I thought the crowd was much better this week than the other day when it was all anti Spurs songs. I know. It's well, there is that. Yeah, but uh, there is that. The, the amazing grace, Chelsea, that just seems to just go on and on and, and, and keep recurring. I loved. I love that. I yeah, you, that's great. Yeah, that's you, you and I love that, stuff. don't we? We yeah, love yeah, that. Yeah. I love Absolutely. that, J.K. I really do. But, uh, but listen, but here's, I, I here's, think, sorry, yeah, go on, mate. No, no, I'm just saying. I, I, I thought that. Um, I think you. I think you start. I think the best team is the team that starts for me. Wherever, where, where, whether we play at home or away, the best team has Matic and Kante, and you and uh, and Pedro um, Hazard and, um, and and Moses weave their weave their skills, um, but. But having Fabregas to come on to change it because his free kicks were spot on, his his passes are spot on. There was a wonderful moment where he got the ball in the second half, and uh, I saw him looking up to see where Costa was, and Costa was actually beside him. So he had to, he couldn't do anything. He couldn't play. He couldn't play a forty-yard pass to him, and he just checked back and passed it square. You know, but you thought, yes, this is clearly the you know one of the things that they're really up for. In the same way that. Um, this uh, they're constantly picking out Alonso for the header across that angle ball is uh, is a um, is, is just a tactic that they keep applying all the time. So the ball isn't just aimlessly booted when it when they do go long. It isn't aimlessly booted up the pitch. It's of an angle to Alonso to flick on to, to, to possibly to Hazard or to Pedro. But I honestly felt that Pe- Pedro just wasn't on his game as much. And so, uh, well, Fabregas you know, it happens, was, doesn't it? Was. Of course it does. Well, I'm a, I'm a, we, I think Pedro's been absolutely wonderful this season. Yeah. But I just felt he was just not quite there for me. And so when Fabregas and William came on, we then just it went back to normal. All my Because I was absolutely shitting myself. I was convinced they were going to score. But you have to say that, once again, the, the defence is really good. And, and, and last year, if we'd played last year, we'd have lost that game 2-1. Whereas mm. this year, this year we, we know it went through a few well, surges of uncertainty, but then we just rescued, brought it back to what it was. Had it been well, win, winning, winning Martin Keown, as Dan Dan was saying, wasn't it really? Dan, yeah. I, I want to bring this into. I'm going to bring bring you in for this next bit, but before I do okay. that, I've got breaking breaking news from Bonnie Rig Blues, who's just said, just reading Alex's blog on Twitter, she likes to swear in her writing. Is she like that even when you meet her? <laughs> Alex? No, not at all. No, she's a nun, really, Bonnie Rig Blues. She she comes to she comes to Chelsea matches wearing a wimple, don't you? I do. There you go. And, uh, anyway, and look, Dan. Um, yeah, very thick knickers. Yeah, probably a good idea at Chelsea. Um, <laughs> partic- well, yes, but not. I was going to say particularly if you're a nappy shitter, which of course you're not. Anyway, yeah. moving um, swiftly Dan, on. Moving swiftly on. Uh, any excuse. Uh, just to, I'm going to conflate these two things, really, Dan. I mean, I think the first thing was, you know, personally, I, I thought Hazard struggled a bit. Uh, yesterday, um, and and he looked a bit tired. And I, and, you know, I, I'm not criticising him. In fact, by the way, because there's a bit of stuff going on on Mixler as well. Actually, I don't think any of us are criticising Conte. The fact to the matter is that he, I think he made the right changes and he was proved right, and that's why we won. So you know, who are we to argue or, or, or offer any dissent to Antonio Conte? Um, but yeah, I, you know, I wonder if Dan, the, the lack of rotation and the high intensity that we're that we're now playing at is is making the players tired generally, and you know does Hazard need a rest? But I I also think that I kind of noticed that when when Hazard gets kicked early, as I'm afraid it you know happens with all too frequently, and that's kind of picks up on what Jonathan was saying by the lack of protection he gets on the referees. 
he, he, he does have that tendency to go off his game. I mean, literally kicked off it, actually, Dan. That's, so it's a bit of a bit of a double-edged thing there. But yeah. try and make some sense out of it if you can. Yeah. Good luck. He's, he's, a, he's a marked man because he's, he's, he's a talisman for us and he's a, he's a danger man. So, yeah, they'll probably say to go kick him early, kick him early, you know, put him off his game. Um, Charles Sock will be rested for Brentford, so he won't play yeah. again until we play yeah. Um, yeah. Liverpool on Wednesday. He's such a phenomenal talent, and expectations on his shoulders are very high. And I think I think Dan Levine alluded to, he probably lacks that mentality to be an absolute top player. You know, roll with he's the punches. Not a killer, kind of player. Is he? No, he he's hasn't got killer. that. He's no. not quite in the same. You know, if he wants to be in the same breath as Messi and Ronaldo, he has. He's not. He's not nasty enough. He doesn't roll yeah. with the punches. He gets kicked. He takes it personally. Great talent, great player, but he's not. He can't. He doesn't seem to. He goes off his game, but you know, if he puts in a match-winning performance for Liverpool, he's forgotten. He'll, if, you know, he may have a couple of days off now between now and Liverpool. Put him on the bench against Brentford if we need him, and give you know, give Pedro and William a chance. I think yeah, I, he, I love him. He, I think he's yeah. Well, me too. I mean, he's a joy yeah. to watch, isn't it? I mean, you know, the number of times I've watched Hazard since he's been playing at Chelsea, really. I mean, maybe last year, not so much, but you just watch it, watch him, and you just think this this kid has such joy about the way he plays football and he is also a joy to watch. You know, it's one of those rare players where you think, blimey, I'm really lucky and again, privileged to be able to watch him play. I mean, Alex, would you say there's much credence to what Dan was saying there? I think Dan's pretty much spot on. I think you do. And I did put in the blog as well. I said that the referee let a hell of a lot go on him on Sunday and he he does get down but then it's just more frustration you see it with Costa gets more shouty and angry the more that he gets kicked about and nothing gets done about it but you see Hazard shrugging as if to say what you've just watched me stamped on are you going to do anything about it or are you just going to let them carry on doing and the referee was particularly harsh on Hazard on Sunday and I think you're right I think they did basically kick him off his game I don't know I I do think you're right as well he has the capacity to be capacity to be one of the best players in the world and the only person stopping him from doing that is himself um obviously one thing goes wrong at the end of another season and he goes and shoves a load of burgers during the summer and comes back fat last year and does yeah, nothing well, so yeah it's we've all been he's the one yeah it's just <laughs> comfort eight for some reason and then came back and wasn't himself i think he is the only person stopping himself from being one of the best players on the planet but mm. i'd i'd I do think people have a tendency to expect him. What did you say? You used the phrase champagne football earlier on, Dan. People expect him to be phenomenal every day. And I just think some days he works really hard and he's not the one that takes the credit for it. Just like Moses, the last couple of games has put in so much work for other people and not been on the shiny end of it. Um, that it, that's just the way it falls sometimes. You, you're not always mm. the one that people notice. And I do think people are, they expect a lot of him. Yeah, yeah true enough. True enough. Listen, let's wrap this kind of part up, chaps. Um, you know, but you know what? What was lovely though? I mean, I th- I just wonder if this infected the, the the team a little bit. Although you know, many will tell us that they that they're too professional for that. But there was a bit of pressure, wasn't there? Because all of those teams had dropped points. Arsenal hadn't, and uh, you know, and as I said in the title of the show, we we minded the gap beautifully. I thought, and and we're still you know eight points clear of uh, our nearest rival, which laughably is Arsenal, who we know will choke right. in March. Um, but I, but, but talk, nine, yeah, well, nine and ten what? points clear our title. We're actually technically nine and ten points clear our title rivals, our real title rivals. Why? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. Well, on on that on that very point, actually, and this is what I just wanted to wrap wrap this part up with. Really, is that um, we've got a mass mahusive month coming up. We've got Liverpool away, Arsenal at home, 
And then we've got Burnley, Swan, uh, Burnley away, Swansea at home, West Ham away. And, and I think the interesting thing is obviously everybody will focus on Liverpool and Arsenal uh, and probably feel that if we if we beat them, then we're home and hosed. But I think that I think what we should also take note of, and in a sense, what happened on Saturday and also how Hull played against us was a timely reminder, because Burnley should have got a result at Arsenal. Swansea turned over Liverpool away, and West Ham seemed to be you know beginning to get into a bit of form. So I actually think that the the Burnley Swansea and the West Ham matches will be just as tough as the Liverpool. And Arsenal matches, Jonathan, discuss. No, oh, I, I agree with you completely. Um, Swansea have been, have been rejuvenated through uh, Paul Clement, haven't they? And uh, Lorente looked very good. I noticed that that whole idea of us buying him has, has gone out of the window. I don't even think it was real in the first place. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I just think you might discover that the Liverpool and Arsenal games are easier than the other three. Um because uh, I think Liverpool are very vulnerable. They're much more vulnerable than uh, than you would think. Um, and he'll have a plan, Conte, for all of them. That's the nice thing, though, isn't it? Is that as if, as a manager, he will. Um, it looks quite daunting looking at them, really. And, and once again, me is me is the man who's you know seen us when they used to play as the unpredictables. When that's what they were called, when they would they would uh, beat Liverpool and Arsenal and then lose to Burnley, Swansea, and West Ham. I'm obviously I'm quaking in my boots, but. Um, uh, I, I have every faith that we'll uh, we'll get results out of all of them. I think uh, they're, they're such a good team and he's such a good manager. Yeah, I mean, you know, put, putting it around another way, JK, you know, if we do beat Liverpool and Arsenal and we don't lose against, I mean, you know, if we if we also beat the other three, I mean, we are, I think we're going to be in such a strong position. And, strong and the other thing, I, I, I talking to Kerry about this or somebody the other day, I can't remember who it was now, but I was saying that, you know, look, it was Kerry, you know, the others are going to lose points because they've, a lot of them have got to play each other still, I think. So, you know, it, it's really, really looking good. Um, now, look, we've got to go to a break. But before we do, talking of Kerry, a uh, beautiful bit of segueing there by your Uncle Chidge. Uh, just a quick plug, as always, for the Kerry Dixon Show, which, of course, I record all week with... All week? I wish I did. It's each week, one day a week, with the wonderful, lovely, legendary Kerry Dixon um, it's available usually, uh, I get it out kind of mid-afternoon on, th- on a Thursday. Uh, so make sure you download it. It can be downloaded via Acast, iTunes and SoundCloud. If you already subscribe to the Chelsea Fancast, which if you don't, then you need a slap, I'm afraid. There's no other way to put it. Um, yeah, so if you already uh, subscribe to the Chelsea Fancast on any of those new- normal podcast media, you- it'll automatically end up in your little inboxy type thing i suppose on a thursday now the next show of course will be out on thursday and we will be discussing uh probably a little bit about the hull match and uh no doubt obviously the brentford cup match which i cannot wait for um, i'm secretly secretly hoping for a replay so we can go back down and stand on the terraces at brentford again because it was such much such fun although of course um a lot of that fun was uh, dictated by the abuse that we hurled at rafa benitez which is one of the highlights of my entire Chelsea supporting <laughs> career. Um, and I am on that video that you've seen on YouTube. I can hear my dulcet tones using the C word liberally. Um, anyway, enough of that. Um, Kerry Dixon's documentary, of course. We had uh, that lovely chap, uh, Chris Barnett, on on an interview last on last week's show. Uh, and I, I think, actually, that they have now sold out for the, uh, the tickets for the premiere, with a screening of it on March the 3rd. Uh, and I think that they're planning to do another one about a week later. Um, the easiest way to find that out, of course, is to just check out uh, Chris's 
uh, website, which is midnightproductions.co.uk forward slash footy legends 100. Uh, he's on Twitter as Midnight Productions and Footy Legends 100 as well. So keep in touch with that. But I think that they're going to do another one and tickets will be available for that. And Chris has also uh, promised a couple of signed DVDs. Uh, which I'm going to offer up in a competition when uh, the uh, the film is released in March. And of course, if you haven't already, go out and buy Kerry's biography up front. It's about 15 quid. You can get it from Amazon. It's a great read. Now, after the break, uh, with, the C- with the Chelsea pitch owners AGM coming up on Friday, uh, we have an interview with the CPO chairman, uh, Charles Rose, to discuss the Chelsea pitch owners. What happens next? Now we have permission to redevelop the stadium and why the CPO are still relevant. We'll see you in a sec. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. (laughs) It's all too much. (laughs) I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Ginge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Football Fancast. Welcome back. I am Stamford Chidge, and this is the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, we've got some lovely people in the house tonight. Actually, we've got the, uh, as always, the wonderful, uh, the man on the, the man, the guitar man, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Strum for yep. me. Yo, Strum. I get the guitar out. Hang a second. Here we go. Because uh, he's go. put it away <laughs> now. The moment's gone. Do it. There you go. So the guitar man, uh, Johnny Johnny Guitar Man Kid. Uh, we've also got the fantastic Dan Silver, uh, my partner in crime in the pub usually. Always great to see Dan. And last but by no means least, the loveliest Chelsea writer in the entire universe, the one and only yeah. Alex Churchill, the girl who likes balls. Yay! 
Crowd yes. scream. Back by, po- <gasps> back by popular demand, Alex, the, 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 the masses spoke. They kept on saying to me, Chidge, 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 when are you going to have Alex back on? She's much better than you boring old farts. All words. I was going to say, by popular demand, you got my mum's text then. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it was from you, really, wasn't it? But there yeah. You please, Chidge, um, please. Anyway, moving swiftly along, uh, we've got uh, this, uh, you know, to, to inc- higher, the, raise the tone, in fact, in, in the bar even uh, of the of the nature of the show. Uh, we've got something quite serious coming up. As as many of you know, of course, all of the people who listen to the show will know, uh, every week we have a little plug uh, to encourage people to buy shares in the Chelsea pitch owners, something that's very close to my heart and, in fact, something that should be very close to all Chelsea fans' hearts because, of course, um, it protects the ability of Chelsea Football Club and us supporters to go and see them playing at Stamford Bridge in perpetuity. Uh, now on Friday there is the uh, the annual general meeting, which is quite important because uh, we get to vote on certain resolutions. The uh, the most important one this uh, this year being the uh, uh, agreeing or allowing the Chelsea Pitch Owners Board to uh, offer an extension uh, to the lease, because basically the club Chelsea lease the pitch from the Chelsea Pitch Owners, and that might they hope smooth the transition because permissions will have to be given in order for the stadium to be redeveloped that kind of thing anyway uh, i happen to be a good chum of charles rose who is the chelsea pitch owners chairman and charles very gratefully or not he wasn't grateful i was grateful but i'm delighted that he he spoke to me earlier today and uh, i had a little interview with him and it's coming up right now so it's a lovely welcome to uh chairman of the chelsea pitch owners charles rose uh how are you today charles I am exceptionally well, especially after yesterday's result. Uh, it may not have been the best match I've ever seen in my life, but uh, it was, um, you know, the result we needed. All about the three points and keeping that gap open, wasn't it? Um, anyway, right. it's obviously a welcome to the obviously a welcome to the Chelsea fancast as well. Um, we've got you on for a very specific reason because, of course, the uh, Chelsea pitch owners uh, AGM is uh, coming up this Friday. But before we get into all of that, um, for those of uh, our listeners who are not completely au fait with the Chelsea pitch owners and what it's all about. Can you give me a little bit of the history and background of it? Yes, of course. Founded uh, in 1993 as a result of the purchase back by the then chairman Ken Bates of the ground from the receivers of a company called Marler Estates who had wanted to turn Stamford Bridge into flats and supermarkets, um, threatening, of course, to throw Chelsea Football Club out of our traditional home. So when Ken Bates brought that back, he came up with the bright idea that this would never happen again and that he would uh, protect the fans from ever having to have that problem and thus form Chelsea pitch owners. So, I mean, you know, ostensibly, I think what most people know, of course, is that it means that the Chelsea pitch owners and, and of course, all of the shareholders, many of whom are, are, are great supporters of the club, actually own the freehold, don't they? They own the pitch and, of Absolutely. course, the name Chelsea FC, which is which is unique, isn't it, in football, I think? Uh, it's certainly unique in this country that um, we as fans own the uh, ground which we play on. Uh, no other club, certainly in the top flight, can say that their fans own the pitch. And, yes, you're right, the protection that we have is that um, Chelsea Football Club has to play its first team games at Stamford Bridge um, and if they don't they have to seek the permission of Chelsea pitch owners. Now of course in the current circumstances that may well occur because if the redevelopment goes ahead then we will have to go and play probably for uh, three seasons uh, minimum at another ground where that is we don't know yet but if they don't seek that permission then they have to surrender the name 
Chelsea Football Club back to Chelsea pitch owners. So that's the lock and the guarantee that the shareholders have. Mm. I mean, it's a little bit more complicated than that, isn't it? Because, of course, the the, the financial uh, relationship between the, the club and the and the pitch owners. But before we get into that, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, I think what, what's, what's on most people's minds, of course, is that, A, you know, we've just had the uh, Hammersmith and Fulham Council giving planning permission to uh, the the consultative group that Roman set up to redevelop the stadium. They've given permission for that development to go ahead. And we're now basically waiting for ostensibly that the key the key thing is the mayor's decision which most people think will be positive but you know in light of that um you know how how does that change things with respect to the cpo the change is um nothing that uh, we haven't been expecting for a while we've been involved in the consultation about the new ground um but it is now the point at which um chelsea pitch owners as the owner of the freehold have to undergo certain legal obligations, the first one of which is to um, sign, co-sign the agreement along with the club and along with the freeholders uh, of the uh, railway line behind the East Stand um, to agree to the terms of the planning consent. That's something called the Section 106 agreement. They then will have to, um, we Chelsea pitch owners will also give permission to the club to to develop the ground. And then, as I said, we will give permission to the club to move away um, in accordance with discussions that we're going to have with them in due course. So it is very much now going into the legalese of it and gets quite complicated and uh, uh, we have obviously have to take proper advice from uh, lawyers of certain repute in order to do that. Hmm. I mean, you know, ostensibly that there is no issue really, is there, between the Chelsea pitch owners and, and the club and in fact Roman and his consultative group. I mean, you... Like like most of us would like to see a wonderful new stadium, uh, you know, rebuilt at Stamford Bridge, right? Yes, it's the dream of uh, most of us Chelsea fans have had um, pretty much back to the uh, late 60s, early 70s, when we were presented with the uh, plans that the Mears uh, family, when they, were che- when they were in charge of Chelsea Football Club, came up with back in about 1972, which was only very much part completed with the building of the East Stand as it now is. Um, the stadium we were promised didn't occur because of the various factors that uh, you can look at in the history books of Chelsea. It's something, you're right, that we need to do if we're going to become a world-class club. Chelsea pitch owners have openly said that we are encouraging um, and are encouraged by the plans, and we want to go ahead with these particular um, ways in which we can help Chelsea to develop them. Mm. So, I mean, that, that having been said, I mean, what are, what are the possible outcomes or, or obstacles? I mean, obviously, I think, uh, you know, most Chelsea pitch owners and shareholders would obviously, A, want the stadium rebuilt, but they would want to keep the sanctity of, uh, of you know, the CPO owning the freehold, right? That's exactly um, the, the, the approach that we're taking at the moment. The one thing that we always have to bear in mind um, as directors of any company is that you have to act in the, share, in the interests of all of your shareholders. So that's... Um, you know, we are promoting the company as any company normally does. We are marketing the company and presenting its best side to the world and indeed to Chelsea Football Club. Yes, I want Chelsea, I want Chelsea pitch owners to uh, exist for many more years to come. I think it provides a uh, guarantee to Chelsea fans that they can uh, rest assured that in the decades to come, probably after this particular ownership is over with, so after, after the dames, days of Roman Abramovich, that Chelsea will remain at Stamford Bridge playing football as they, they always have and hopefully always will. 
the one thing you can't guarantee is what's going to happen in the future. You know, you and I are both of an age where um, we're looking at Chelsea today and, and, and scratching our heads and going, well, I never saw that one coming. You know, how many, how many premierships uh, have we seen in the last 10 years? Well, how many did we see in the previous 40? Answer, quite a lot more than we saw then. I mean, I think in many respects, Charles, that is the key point, isn't it? And I know that a lot of people kind of question this and they think, well, well, you know, now he's wanting to build the state, rebuild the, the existing site at Stamford Bridge. It means that we'll keep football there. So, you know, why do we need to be so protective of, of owning the pitch and all of that? But that is the key thing, isn't it? What happens the day after, Roman? And, you know, I think all of us got involved with this because we want to protect the future of football at Stamford Bridge forever. And yes, that's the key, isn't it? Is, it? It's what it is, happens it, the day after, Roman. Yeah, it is about that legacy. Chelsea Pitch Owners is something that is a legacy of the past. It is something that we should nurture today as the, as the holders of that legacy and pass on to the generations that follow us who are going to be supporting Chelsea, perhaps long after you and I are, are long gone. But it is about the day after Roman. It is about, um, actually, in many respects, protecting his legacy. Because when the ownership of a company such as Chelsea Football Club passes out of the hands of one owner to the next, they're under no obligation to uh, keep the history as it was or protect that history, and they can do whatever they like to do with it. You know, we've seen other instances, uh, and you can uh, look at, say, Milton Keynes as being a prime example of that, where the history of the club was basically ripped up and taken away um, wholesale. Now, the argument, and I understand this, is that once you've got a half-billion-pound stadium, they're hardly going to want to knock it down and move it, up, move it elsewhere. Well... The counter-argument to that one is that who knows what will happen in 20, 30, 40 years' time, even 10 years' time, uh, whether football will still be as popular as it is now, whether or not the money will still be around football, whether or not actually it will have more value to level the ground again and, and try and put up flats and supermarkets. That is the protection that Chelsea Pitch Owners provides, not only for our legacy, but for the legacy in, in many respects of the new stadium and, and Roman himself. And I mean, ostensibly, you know, one would hope that uh, Roman and his colleagues would understand that. And what we don't want really a repeat of is what happened in 2011 when, you know, the club basically tried to buy the shareholders out, didn't they? And it caused quite a lot of uh, friction uh, between the supporters and, and the club. Um, with that in mind, I mean, are you worried that that might happen again? And, and what are the CPO going to do to try and alleviate that? Well, I think one always has to be mindful that. There are those um, whose culture might not be, um, how can I put it, the same as, uh, as an indigenous culture of this country. And that um, those of us who, who perhaps um, live in and around London will understand that there's a fair amount of property that actually isn't owned by the, the supposed holders. It is on leasehold. And so that whole process is something that we understand. Now, when you've got people coming from outside, they may not think quite so clearly about that and they may have ideas that uh, in their head mean that they need ownership of everything so we have to try and use our persuasion use the, um, the 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 good offices that we have and the contacts to try and persuade them that there is frankly little point in trying this this path and that what we're trying to do here is to assist not to stand in their way yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I own a flat. Well, here we go. There we go. The immediate thing you say is, I own a flat in London. And actually, yep. the reality is that I don't own the flat in London. I, yep. I pay a mortgage on it. And so the bank own it, owns it, number one. 
And when I've paid that mortgage off, all I own is the, my tenure because somebody else actually owns the building, which is the freehold, which is exactly the same, really, with the, the Chelsea pitch owners. So ultimately, really, it's a question of whether, you know, how comfortable Roman is with that situation. And I suspect that, um, you know, there's a, there's a very important resolution, isn't there, in the forthcoming AGM on Friday, which I think you're hoping will, will hope, well, ease the passage of that, shall we say? Yes, um, we, we would, if it's passed, have the right to extend the lease um, in accordance with any negotiations that we're going to have with Chelsea. And if we get that, then all well and good. If not, well, then we'll deal with it accordingly. But um, if we uh, think that it's um, useful in order to offer uh, an extension of the lease, then we will be able to do so. Quite how long that extension is, we will remain to see. It's all part of the negotiation process. Um, you said earlier that, uh, and gave the gave the impression earlier that now we've got this plan commission that it's all going to be plain sailing from here. Well, there's going to be a lot of minor details, and there will be trip up points. And I'm sure that the opponents of uh, um, of, of of the scheme may well try and raise their head again. So we have to be all very mindful that if we want this scheme to succeed, then we have to. Uh, use as much of our persuasion powers as possible and be as cooperative as possible. And that's what Chelsea pitch owners are aiming to do, to be as cooperative to Chelsea Football Club as possible. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it, Charles. I mean, we, we are not an obstacle to this, are we? We're not the enemy. We're actually very uh, keen on working with the club and we're actually part of the process, not part of the problem, right? Why wouldn't we be? Why wouldn't we be part of the uh, process? Um, we all want this stadium built. We all want to make sure that uh, it's done as quickly and uh, um, as, as possible so we can get back to Stamford Bridge um, in, 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 in as uh, time as we can. So really, we are, uh, as I say, on the positive side of this. Yeah, quite right. Well, I mean, I, I, it's, it's, uh, I think it's resolution number nine, isn't it, on the, uh, on the, uh, on the, on the board papers for the uh, AGM on Friday, and it's basically allowing the CPO board to, if they so choose, to extend the lease to, you know, to, to Chelsea for the pitch. So obviously quite important that you, you have that flexibility in the negotiator. I, I certainly will be voting for that, and uh, I know the supporters' trust will be too, so... I would hope and encourage as many of you to, to agree and vote for that resolution as possible because it seems to make a lot of sense to me. Um, I think the final kind of question, really, Charles, is that, again, you know, with the pitch apparently, you know, seemingly safer at Stamford Bridge than it has been for a long time, a lot of people will say, well, what's the point of me buying a share? But, of course, there's a huge, huge point of buying shares, not just now, but, but long into the future, isn't there? Um, yes. And one of the processes that we're going through at Chelsea Pitch Owners now is to, is to think quite um, deeply about how we take, take the company forward in the light of the redevelopment. We know that the next few years, as when we move away, are going to be quite difficult for all of us. It's not just going to be a matter of moving our home and, and having to move into uh, uh, temporary accommodation, as it were, while, whilst the, uh, the building is, is being torn down and then rebuilt again. It's going to be quite difficult for the culture of Chelsea fans to cope with. And we at CPO have to understand how we're going to cope with it short term and then indeed long term when we come back. Um, you know, bearing in mind that, as I said, we were founded in 1993. 1993 was pre-email, pre-internet, and, um, and, and was pretty much pre what you might refer to, for better or ill, as modern football. So we have to understand quite where we fit into the uh, uh, legacy of the whole Chelsea fans 
seen, and we also then have to make sure that we're forging a place in its uh, in its future, so that the uh, legacy that we've got is taken on, and the heritage that is there with Chelsea pitch owners being part of uh, Chelsea fans um, goes forward into the future. Well, I mean, I I would underline that obviously, and as you know, you know, we 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 plug out on the show every week uh, for people to go and buy a share and, and get involved. But I think. As I said, over and above the the issues, uh, you know, around the fact that we own the freehold and, and the name and all of that, I think, you know, as I said, we're unique in this in this country in terms of supporters actually having some some sort of ownership of the club at this level, and and therefore influence over and with it. And for me alone, that, that that's enough. I mean, I know the supporters trust. Uh, you know, we we do good work and all of that, but that this is something tangible, and I think that's very important. And I think well, to I, give that up or give that away would be incredibly stupid. Well, I would, I would, I would absolutely concur with that. You know, one of the ideas um, when it first started was it would become much more of a club. We had membership cards and the like. Well, it's it's evolved a little since then. Uh, but what we are trying to do is to actually say to our shareholders, yes, you need to buy a share because of all of those reasons that you just talked about. But also, it also gives you um, an opportunity to do things with other Chelsea pitch owners, such as our dinner that's coming up um, in, in, in February with Antonio Conte, such as the opportunities to play on the pitch um, in our five-a-side tournament. So um, shareholders can actually tread the very turf that uh, our heroes are treading on a week-by-week basis. It's, it's giving people you know, something tangible back that isn't just about making sure that we're securing the legacy and all of that, but it's also about something you can get from it as well. Well, there you go. I mean, a, a better affirmation of why to be a member or a, a shareholder at the Chelsea Pitch Owners, I cannot think. So thank you very much for that, Charles. And, you know, obviously, good luck on Friday. I look forward to seeing you there. And hopefully uh, the important uh, resolution number nine will be passed. I'm sure it will. And uh, hopefully all of the dealings with the club going forward will work out to everybody's satisfaction. I'm sure every Chelsea supporter wishes that. So thank you very much, Charles. Thank you very much. And thanks very much for the uh, support as well. We really do value it. And thank you to all the shareholders who uh, have bought shares and are taking interest in what we're doing. No problem at all. Absolute pleasure. Thanks. You know, to say that I feel incredibly privileged and honoured to have uh, the opportunity to interview Charles uh, to talk about the uh, the Chelsea pitch owners is a massive understatement. And what a fabulous interview that was. And I think ho- hopefully that that's answered quite a few uh, questions for us, but to kind of sum it up, um, you know, basically it's a very important uh, meeting on Friday because I think if they if they get this resolution nine agreed, it will give them the opportunity that they don't necessarily have to use it. But if if and when you know the negotiation with Roman uh, comes along, it will give them the opportunity to extend the lease, which will hopefully make that uh, favourable enough to Roman that it, he won't feel the need to try and buy the CPO out, which would, um, I think, you know, at the end of the day, uh, remove a, a, a really positive safety net uh, for for supporters like me and, and plenty of you lot, I'm sure, uh, to protect uh, the club in perpetuity, not least to have it still playing at Stamford Bridge. Um, so a very important thing, and the, but but I think the other thing that, that Charles was really saying was that there's quite a lot of hoops to go through yet, particularly with these three things, which is the section 106, which is to do with the council's requirements, um, agreeing that Chelsea can use the name Chelsea FC in the temporary move, and of course actually agreeing uh, that they can redevelop the stadium. Jonathan, you're you're a CPO shareholder, uh, of course, and uh, 
I've no doubt you'll be there on Friday, yeah? I would indeed. I've uh, work permitting. I've uh, I've uh, uh, I've got my number um, in my wallet, and I should be going along and uh, saying who I am, and they'll say, "No, we've got no uh, no knowledge of you at all," and I shall be ejected. No, I, I'm um, I'm I'm an, an early pitch owner, so I think I'm uh, I'm near the top of the list somewhere, actually. Um, mm. But yeah, yeah, I'm 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 uh, I'm fascinated as to what uh, Roman will do, um, whether he will become bullish about wanting to purchase the freehold or whether he will give in to um this uh, the idea of the 999 year lease it's um it's very interesting i wonder if he rejects the idea of the 999 year lease what exactly happens because remember he is russian so, well i know um, i mean you know listen what what i hope won't happen is that they they get into a hardballing situation I, th- I mean i don't you know this may not happen but there's a danger of course that they could hardball it and and then try and paint the CPO as the obstacle to getting the stadium built, which is really not true. And I think, you know, one of the things that I I, I was talking to Charles about, you know, an off air as it were, were, were that I think those of us who are who are shareholders, you know, it, we love Roman to pieces. What he's about to do for this club is just the most incredible thing that will happen to this club in our lifetime. But the reality is, you know, it's not just about our generation. It's about hopefully generations and generations and generations after that. So really, it's a question of what happens the day after Roman. And if we don't protect that, then spending half a billion quid on a stadium could be for nothing, you know. And hopefully he will he will see that sense and, and try not to do something which caused a massive fracture within the support of the club when they tried to buy the freehold in 2011. You hope they've learnt their lesson after last time because that was a very, uh, um, they, it was a very inept way of doing it. I think they're, yeah. I think in actually in the six years since, I think they're much more in tune with the support. I think they're less, um, uh, they're, they're more understanding of the fact that uh, of how significant the what the supporters' feelings and thoughts about the thing are. I think they realise the history behind it. I think before they were just quite bulldozing and thought. So when, if you remember, they were they would have been satisfied. They, they, they thought we would have been satisfied with our money back and uh, a list of our names on a plaque at the new stadium. Yeah. The you wall of shame. What, that's what it was. <laughs> that was what exactly what we were offered. And uh, um, I suppose the thing is, is, is what lots of people who are nothing to do with Chelsea Football Club, who will have bought pitch owner's shares, yeah. are hoping is that Roman does come in yeah. um, and buys it and that they will get very elevated prices for their shares that's what yeah, some well, people after well hopefully i mean we don't know because i don't know the figures but uh, hopefully dan and alex that uh, there are enough i mean i think that most of the shares that they sold sell, have sold in recent times have been to individual shareholders which tends to mean that mm-hmm. there are people like you and us who love the club and, and want to stay there and hopefully that will outweigh as it did last time because of course they did try and carpet bag it so there were quite a lot of what we would call institutional. Well, I, wouldn't, I don't know if they were institutional shareholders, but there were a, p- a lot of people buying up a lot of shares who had very deep pockets. And uh, I have a, I have a feeling were, I mean, we don't know this for a fact, so I'll say allegedly were perhaps trying to influence that. Um, but uh, you know, as I said uh, to, to Jonathan, you two, you know, let's hope that the club have learned from that because I think actually the fact that the CPO stood up to the club at that time. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's been quite a lot of rapprochement for the last few years, possibly as a result, Then, Yeah, I'm absolutely, I think generally the club seems to be 
being much more f- supporter friendly. And they, they know, look, no, no, no CPO, no, no, no Chelsea. And Chelsea is, is, I hate this word. It's a brand. It's a product. It's a money making machine. Forgive me for saying those words because I, I hate, I hate the fact that's what we've become. Look, to me, we're as a football club in the, in the, in the wider thing to, to Chelsea, it's, it's a money making machine. So they, they, they will tread carefully and I think they will see sense. And a 999 year lease is, is, you know, virtual freehold. Um, perhaps there's going to be, you know, clauses then to extend, perhaps, you know, we're used to 999 years every 100 years, so it never actually runs out. I'm sure yeah. they'll, they'll, you know, cover all the bases. Um, and Roman is a fan now, he gets a passion. You see how happy he gets when the camera's panting when we scored a great goal or what have you. So I think he, he gets it now, and I'm, I'm hoping they, the club just go down the right road, agree, you know, as, as Charles was alluding to, and we get everything else done. Sadiq puts thumbs up and away we go to uh, yeah. somewhere else for three years and come oh. back, you know, to a beautiful amen, stadium. Amen, amen, amen to that. Wembley. Amen to that. Alex, yeah. uh, just to, do you want to sum it, sum it up? Just add a comment before I, I go to the little plugs. Yeah, I just think uh, absolutely right. I think I would just hope too that since the last time, which was a bit of a car crash, they will have learnt from that and it mm. it will be a different <clears throat> process this time. Yeah, let's hope so. Fingers crossed. Anyway, I'll be there on uh, Friday, as will Jonathan. And uh, I don't know about Dan and Alex, but I uh, hope to see a lot of you there who are CPO shareholders. Should be. Uh, it's always always fun to get together with Chelsea people. Maybe have a beer or two afterwards. Although I had to get my, I had to pick my wife up from the hospital, so that might not happen. Anyway, uh, talking a, of CPO, you uh, heard Drake's Suite. It's at Drake's Suite, isn't it? So, it is. Yeah, um, that's right. Uh, 11 o'clock in the morn. Uh, anyway, if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, uh, as we've been saying, go and buy a share at the Chelsea pitch owners who, of course, as you know, own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim it is to secure the future of football at Chelsea Football Club. Uh, all you have to do uh, is to spend about 100 quid or so, a little bit over that. Email info at chelseapitchowners.com. Check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners and follow them on Twitter at pitch owners. Right, uh, talking of institutions that uh, love uh, Chelsea and like to protect it and support the supporters, Chelsea Supporters Trust is the place to be. Uh, go and join the trust, get your, uh, get your voice heard by the club. It's five quid to become a voting member, which means, of course, you can vote me out uh, next August and the world will celebrate because I am the chairman. But no, no I'm only joking. Uh, I can't say vote chidge because I'm not allowed to apparently we have rules about these things anyway um, go and do it sign up at chelseasupporterstrust.com so you can attend the meetings come to the events and vote on the issues that directly affect you and make sure you get your voice heard follow them at Chelsea S Trust on Twitter by the way there is possibly going to be a newsletter coming out that uh, next week for those of you who have been moaning that hasn't been one we've had a real problem with access to our membership uh, uh, you know information which meant it's been difficult to get a newsletter out and also, tediously, it's quite difficult. You can't actually sign up via the website at the moment, but uh, you can still sign up by paying on PayPal. If you email us, we can tell you how and get that sorted. Sorry for all the aggravation. It's been a bit of a troublesome few months, but it will get sorted out. Uh, something where there is never any trouble uh, because uh, Alex, when she's selling them, forbids it. But uh, the CFC UK, the next ish- edition will be out very soon because my deadline for my article is this Friday, which tells me that it's probably be out the week after that. Uh, of course, you can still get the current one if you turn up on Saturday uh, for the Brentford game. Uh, it's opposite Fulham Broadway Tube. 
Uh, it's a work, a piece of beauty. It's a wonderful, wonderful tomb. Uh, if you can't get it in person, you can get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the US of A, you can follow at CFCUK USA. Or if you want to get a copy over there, a proper copy, you can contact Dan Lundberg on Twitter at dlundberg underscore. He is now known as dlundberg underscore, by the way, folks, which amused me. Now, after the break, uh, we've got some excellent emails, which will no doubt provoke a bit more discussion. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Footballfancast.com. Okay, welcome back. I'm Stanford Jidge, and you are listening to the last part of the Chelsea Fancast, which, of course, by way of tradition, is where you, the listener, get to have their say and ping us an email and we then let the lovely uh, chocolatey voiced the premier voiceover artiste of his generation mr jonathan kidd reads them out um but before we do that um i just say welcome back jonathan and your chocolatey voice and my yeah uh, clickbait polemicist approach oh to, uh, yes clickbait polemicist that's right yeah. uh and we've also got the lovely dan silver who is in no way a clickbait polemicist uh, been called many things, but never that. No, that's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it, Dan? Yeah. And uh, somebody who is not clickbait uh, in any way, shape, or she's not any sort of bait, actually. Are you, Alex? Just sorry, did someone say chocolate? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have Alex in. I, I, listen, I've got you lot all in Mixler. It'd be interesting to what they do. We'll do a poll now, right? Okay, well, I've got the lads with me. I mean, I, I, I would love to have Alex on the show a lot more. Would, would you agree with that, boys? Definitely. Yeah, she can replace me if she wants. No, Jonathan! No! That's not an excuse for you to bugger off and jump ship. So she can read I the mail. She... She'd be good. She what? She could read, read the, the mail. She'd be good. Yeah, yeah. No, but nobody does it quite like you. I just oh, think that Alex is great. Uh, Alex you. brings a femininity to the show which calms us down and makes us behave a little bit better, I think. Oh, like going back to Lauren days, isn't it? Yeah, Lauren. She was great. I miss Lauren. And Sophie. Remember we had Sophie Rose on before she was famous, before she, went to, before she defected to Chelsea Fans Channel? We're going to get Sophie back on, actually. I've promised her we will, because she's great fun, because she doesn't get my jokes, which is always hilarious. Anyway, <laughs> enough of us. What? Well, I know. It's because they're so clever. Yeah. It's they're so clever. Anyway, listen, enough of all that. It's, it's enough of me, more to the point. It's time. It's the, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. It is time for Jonathan Kidd. It's time for Jonathan Kidd. Um, this is an email from Mark Merritt which I have to say, I've read it already. It's, uh, it's fabulous. This. It's a fabulous email. I don't say they're all very good, always. But this is, uh, this is a really worth listening to, this, because it's about um, uh, supporting a team from another country. Very, really interesting. Um, Stop coughing, somebody, Dan, and upstaging yeah, Jonathan. Yes, having a fit while I'm attempting if to you, be If you're going to do it, just go and die, but don't cough. Yeah. I'm trying to cough away from the microphone, sorry. Well, you failed miserably, Dan. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm not a professional like you, Jonathan. I'm sorry. There's, no, oh, there's it's, nothing. This is why. Next time I see you, let me tell you how to do it, Dan. Really simple. Okay. But you need to do it. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. 
you have to sort of go like away a, and then move back. There's yeah, nothing like such a. There's there's no bitch like an acting bitch. That was so. Just, that was <laughs> meow meow meow, Jonathan. Thank just you. Just get on Thank with you. it, kids. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my dinner, my dinner's my dinner's ready. Come on, shake a leg. <laughs> Bring your dinner. It's 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 coming actually. It's the lure at the moment. It's the carrot on the end of the stick. Um, uh, this is from Mark Merritt. Chidge and the boys. Greetings from Denver, Colorado, USA. I've been listening to the show for about three years now. It's something I look forward to every Monday. I usually tune in via Mixler as Mile High Chels, but my job has me on my feet moving around most of the day. So usually I'm only ears and don't post much in the chat. To preface my question, I'll give you a bit of background info. As a Chelsea supporter in America, I often get asked how I began to follow a team from another country. And my story is probably a bit irregular. I grew up playing football as a kid and have always loved the game. In my middle school years, 2000 to 2002, I'm 28, when video games began to become more advanced and more popular, my friends and I would have heated FIFA tournaments that would last for hours and hours. Nobody wanted to pick any of the best teams in the game for fear of having their wins discredited. Anyone can win with the best team in the game, so we would all choose mid-level sides. My pick was always Chelsea. I don't really know how I first settled on the Blues, but once I had, they were my squad for good. Back then in the US, you couldn't watch English football without a fancy TV sports package. So my exposure to anything truly Chelsea was very limited. But the MLS never really seemed to excite me. As the sports popularity began to rise in America in the early and mid-2000s, it became easier to get coverage of Premier League matches. I remember flipping through channels one Saturday morning and seeing football, so I stopped. It was Chelsea, my squad, and I watched the whole remainder of the match. From then on, I watched as many games as I could. I vividly remember many times in college ignoring lectures while watching games from some dodgy foreign stream on my laptop. Now, in the days of TV on cell phones, Wi-Fi, everything and NBC, I never miss a match. My love for the club has spilled over into my family and now my mother also watches nearly every game. It's become a great way to stay connected with her as she lives across the country in Virginia. We text throughout the game and always have a nice wrap-up chat after. So over the years, Chelsea has become an important part of my life, even though I've never once been to London. This leads to my question. As a Christmas present, my mom gifted me a share in the CPO, Marvelous. something which I had been meaning to do for myself for quite some time, but had never got round to. What an exciting time to be a shareholder with the recent news in the stadium redevelopment project. As you mentioned last show, the CPO's AGM is coming up. I've been looking over the items up for vote. As you can imagine, with the limited coverage of the actual matches in the States at the time, we weren't fed hardly any news on the actual happenings within the clubs. So in 2011, when Roman attempted to buy the freehold from the CPO and move the club to a new stadium, I was none the wiser. It wasn't until, until the, the past few years when talk of stadium redevelopment began to resurface in the Chelsea community that I did my research and read about the happenings of the proposed buyout and how the CPO banded together to keep the freehold and keep Chelsea at the bridge. While reading, I came across the Say No CPO's website and was quite interested in their point of view, especially regarding the supposed sale of 2,000 shares to a concert party affiliated with the club and its investors in 2011. That's heavily influencing the voting 
I know Tim Rolls, who'd been on the show, who's been on the show, was one of the loudest voices for Say No CPO during those dire times. However, now it seems Say No CPO places blame on a few individuals up for re-election, namely Steve Frankham and Rick Glanville, the latter who's also been on the show, saying they, the board they were part of, didn't act in the best interests of the CPO in allowing the sale of those 2,000 shares. The same claims are made against auditors Hannaways, whose reappointment is also up for vote. So finally, my questions. What's your stance on Say No CPO's views? What happened with those 2,000 shares in 2011? Are Frankham and Glanville partially to blame, and should they be trusted? Or does any of this even matter? Obviously, I'll be voting to pass option nine and extend the lease to hopefully guarantee Chelsea football at Stamford Bridge or whatever they choose to call the new ground for years and years to come. And I'm proud to be part of such a momentous occasion for the CPO and CFC alike. Thanks for helping an American stay informed. As the world can all see, we haven't been the best at voting recently. <laughs> Forever keeping the blue flag flying a mile high. Mark, a.k.a. Mile High Chelts. Well, I can exclusively reveal that Mile High Chels is actually listening as we speak because I've seen oh, I've seen okay. his I've seen his avatar in the uh, in the thingy Bob what's it? Uh, what a brilliant email, Jonathan! Very detailed. I, I'm not sure if I'm, I, I'm I don't even know if I'm qualified to answer some of that. I mean, are, are you at all? No, well, let's just take it bit by bit. The beginning bit, the the opening, uh, the second paragraph about uh, is is texting his mother and uh, and watching Chelsea is just fabulous. I just love that fact that you can embrace um, another country's football club with, uh, with 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 such fervor and such interest, and uh, um, and the fact that now he's got an opportunity to uh, to actually see every game and and it is is magnificent and. Um, uh, it'd be great to if he does ever come over and watch one of the games. You know, he must be met and uh, and fated because um, um, I just love that from watching when when we're actually seeing his FIFA FIFA team, knowing all the squad via the by the game. Um, uh, there they are on the box. You know, you can actually see them playing. It's just a, it's uh, it's great. I think that's a lovely that's a, um, that's a lovely story. As to the second half, I'm I'm. Not, um, I'm not up on this at all, actually. I knew that there was always that theory of skullduggery that was going on um, with the CPO. Um, and that's why there was such, uh, um, um, uh, what's the word, um, uh, antagonism towards um, all the CPO board members at the time. But um, this, this story about uh, Hannaway's and uh, Steve Frankham and, um, and Rick Glamble, I didn't know anything about at all, yeah. really. Uh, so I, I'm not in a position to be able to comment on plead, that, I'm afraid. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel like pleading the fifth on that too. Anyway, Marhai, uh, Chelsea has just, uh, just posted on Mixer saying, one day, hopefully, boys. Like, one day soon, hopefully, boys. Exactly. And me too. I, it'd be lovely to see you. Um, yeah, Denver. That's a great place, isn't it? Uh, anyway, I'm not, I'm not trying to change the subject. I mean, I'm just, I'm just not really apprised of all the facts. I mean, obviously, when this all kicked off at what seems like eons ago, I was... Almost involved quite heavily with say no CPO. I mean, I helped out a little bit, but I wasn't really, um, you know, very close to the core of it and them. Although I, I know uh, and still do know a lot of the protagonists, but they have been a, like a dog with a bone ever since. I think, and I think that, um, you know, without getting into any trouble at all, that they have, 
kept an almost um oh, I don't know what they were trying to compare them to a group really but they 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 go into everything that happens in the CPO with forensic detail to try and find out what's going on but I I I'm just not really I'm just not really abreast of it anymore, so I, I'd hesitate to really give an opinion either way. I mean, all I will say is that, A, I don't know what the machinations uh, to which uh, Mile High Chelsea is alluding to, um, but I do know Rick Glanville very well, and, 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 and I, I would be amazed if uh, Rick is involved in anything untoward. You know, I've known him a long yeah. time. He's a lovely guy and a man of great integrity. I don't know Frankham, so I can't really comment, although I do know that he, he's always been quite close to the club. But I mean, at the end of the day, mate. You know, you've got a, you've got a ballot form. Make the vote where 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 you feel it appropriate. And I'm sorry that we can't help you. Uh, you know, make a, a more informed choice. Although it seems to me that you you're pretty sure that you're going to be uh, voting to pass option nine, which I certainly would recommend. I think that's a very sensible option. Um, I think I hesitate... Pitch, we can find out more more on. Uh, I think we can find out more information on Friday. Actually, I think. Um... Uh, we should ask a few people. I think Tim Rolls might know more about it. He'll be there, won't he? So, uh... well, I was going to say actually. I mean, you know, follow follow Tim Rolls on Twitter. Um, he he's a, a fairly level-headed, sensible person who is still very close to it, and he was very involved with saying say no CPO before uh, we set up the trust. So it, it might be worth if you're on Twitter, mile high, follow Tim Rolls and, and DM him and ask him. You know, he's you know, his, I would trust his view. Um, I, I, I hesitate to... Well, I, I'm aware of the fact I've ignored totally Alex and, and Dan for a minute, but uh, time is pressing on, so they'll just have to forgive me while you read the next email out, Jonathan. At the end of this, I'll shut up and you can ask them, all right? So, um, <laughs> Will do. Yeah. This is from Kyle Prangnell. I hope I pronounced it properly. P-R-A-N-G-N-E-L-L. Prangnell. Uh, Chidge and the boys. Been listening since the tail end of the 14-15 season and have been a Chelsea fan my entire life. First of all, thank you for last season. Having your weekly chat really helped me get through the worst season in my memory. I'm 24. Uh, we should have been alive in the 17th. <laughs> now, after all this talk about Costa leaving at the end of the season, I couldn't be happier with his reaction yesterday. He seemed to be one of the only players in a Chelsea shirt giving it his all. And that celebration was just perfect. However, with this talk, it made me think about someone that will always be seen as a Chelsea legend, Didier Drogba. Despite our biggest and best memories of him being uh, of him, his amazing cup final record and that night in Munich, he all, he also had some issues. At one point, stating he wanted to leave Chelsea after Mourinho left for the first time. The full quote was apparently, "I want to leave Chelsea. Something is broken with Chelsea. The damage is big in the dressing room." With that being said, do you think it's the case that Costa will definitely be leaving in the summer or in January, or do you think there's a possibility of him becoming the next Drogba? Personally, I'm hoping for the latter. Anyway, thanks for the great show and keep the blue flag flying high up the Chels. Kyle Prangnell. Yeah, another another cracking email there. Thank you, Kyle. Um, Dan, would you like to have first dibs on this and then Alex can have a have a little go as well? Yeah, I think I think Costa's never going to be a jobber. Um, I think anyone who kind of changes nationality in a whim clearly has loyalty issues. Um, it's been here three years. I still don't think he barely speaks a word of English don't think he's particularly happy with the climate or anything else like that so I think he, he had the first opportunity will go Jogba was an exceptional exception you know that whole era of players we were blessed having a decade of unbelievably talented players who were Chelsea to the core Costa will be gone I reckon in the summer and we've had three years out of him and that'll be it he'll never I'd, I'd be amazed if he stays beyond the summer I think he's pretty much he'll end up in Japan or back in uh, China sorry or back in um, Spain 
with one of the one of the Madrid clubs. That's my well, honest one, opinion. One thing I would Skate. say, Dan, is <laughs> one thing I would say, Dan, is that I did read somewhere. Oh God, I can't remember where, but apparently Jorge Mendes, who is the Svengali behind a lot of these big players, has apparently recommended that Costa doesn't move to China until his thirties for the bloody obvious reason that the minute he moves to China, his career as a serious footballer is over. So maybe well, that's a bit encouraging. Anyway, did it work for Oscar? Did it? Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I can't answer that. Alex, I'd give Costa a little bit more credit than that. I don't think it's necessarily a given he'll go in the summer. It wouldn't surprise me if he did, but I don't know. I think you talk about Drogba and you talk about Costa and they're both prima donnas. And I think you get to a certain skill level and you get to a certain talent like that and you make allowances for them being prima donnas. I mean, Drogba was a nightmare at times, an absolute nightmare. And we all shook our fists at him and got angry with him at certain points in his Chelsea career. And I don't know, maybe this is just one of those points for Costa. I like him. I can't help it. I just, I know he's just like a big goon, but I just, I really do want to lick him. (laughs) <laughs> yes, thank you. Yes, moving, moving swiftly on. Is the... <laughs> oh, I love that. Do you want? Do you want to lick him, Jonathan? Um, I think he'd be a bit. Uh, he'd be a bit sweaty and a bit hairy for me, actually. Yeah. For, uh, any of the licking going on. You prefer a. Sm- <laughs> you prefer a smooth Brazilian, do you? I prefer. Funnily oh, enough, funnily enough, yes, I do, Chidge. Actually, you've <laughs> you've stumbled upon a, a a rather sweet peccadillo of mine. I wanted to say, do you remember Drogba? I, I, this was at the, um, whether you went there at the Britannia Stadium, where um, with when Scolari was manager. This was at the period where he wanted to go, where he was supposed to be be you know striker up front, and he insisted on playing right wing for the whole of the game. I, just, and, I remember uh, Drogba lying on the pitch doing that signal for "Get me off! I've had enough!" Just because yes, it's too yes. cold, and he yes. couldn't be asked. I just yes. I think yes. there's an element of that to Costa as well, and I don't think I. I think there was a, probably a row and a bit of like handbags at the training ground, but I think pretty much 80, 90% of all that crap in the papers last week was just the papers feeling around for something to fill column inches. Yes. Post-truth once again. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? I mean, what I would say about Drogba and Costa is like all the women I've loved and love, they're very high maintenance and I wouldn't have them any <laughs> other way. But I, I think there is an essential difference, really, and we've talked about this on the show way before any of this Costa stuff blew up because we're that good. But uh, uh, the the essential difference between Didier Drogba and, and uh, Diego Costa at the moment is that whatever the similarities are in terms of hissy fits and naughty behaviour on or off the pitch is that ultimately... Drogba was with us for nine years and helped us to win a shitload of trophies. If Costa can do half of what uh, Drogba did, I would be reasonably happy. But I would hope that, you know, I don't. We won't get nine years out of him because I think he's a wee bit old. But um, wouldn't it be wonderful if Costa can, you know, even achieve half of what Drogba achieved at the club? And I think we'd all go home pretty happy, wouldn't we? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, he's already two titles this season, hopefully. So he's getting close on on championship medals. I think I think Dan, it's the you know the thing that will will you know the reason why Drogba will go down as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Chelsea striker of all time, is not just because he was part of a team that won so many trophies, and obviously we all look at Munich, but that record he had for for scoring in finals, which is a tangible mm. tangible contribution to winning a trophy, that is just 
I would be amazed if we ever have a striker who has uh, makes as big a contribution to us winning trophies as Drogba did. Anyway, we must move on. We have a bit more pluggery to do, and I know you love it, really. Um, but before we do that, I'd just like to say thank you very much for those emails. They were great. And also, thank you, Jonathan, for reading them out so superbly, as you always do. It is my oh. highlight of the week. No, it is. I did I want you to, to do the Denver one in an American accent, though. That would have been good. I know. No, I contemplated. Yeah. I thought it would have been taking the mickey too much. <laughs> Alex, Wouldn't Alex, he's fair. not. Wouldn't have been fair. A- Alex, he's not a performing seal. All right. <laughs> um, anyway, listen. We love we love receiving. We oh my god! Any bloody excuse. Anyway, we love receiving your emails, and we always try and read them out on the show, as you know. So do send them to me uh, at chelseafancast at gmail dot com uh, before Monday, and then you'll get a good chance of getting it read out. Uh, now, uh, I did get another email, but I, I, apologies for reading this out, Jonathan, but this was more of a plug email than a than a, an interesting kind of, you know, narrative email, if you see what I mean. But it's from the lovely Paul Robinson, who who has, I think, had a, an email read out here before. But he said, uh, Chidge, uh, I'm thinking it would be great for chi- for, chi- for, for Chivs even to mention... Yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. I'm, I'm think this is why Jonathan reads the email. Anyway, I'm thinking it would be, I'm thinking it would be great for Chivs... Gary Chivers, that is, to mention this forthcoming gig during the next couple of podcasts. Uh, as per the attached poster, Gary, and I'll read out what it says in a minute. As per the attached poster, Gary Chivers is hosting an evening with Colin Pates on Friday week. Uh, this is the third of Gary's gigs I've attended at Sutton. I've previously been to the Kerry and the Bobby Tamling one. All of them have sold out with standing room only in highly intimate surroundings with plenty of time to chat and meet the guests. Later in February, Gary is hosting a similar evening with Ray Wilkins, who is possibly one of my all-time favourite Chelsea players and also one of my all-time favourite human beings. I was privileged enough to uh, to work with Ray uh, during the World Cup in 2006, and uh, uh, those memories I, I have with Ray I will treasure and take with me to the grave. Anyway, uh, which in, in such a small room will sell out almost immediately. Importantly, all of those attending the Colin Pates evening will get priority in applying for the Ray Wilkins tickets. Thanks, Paul Robinson. Um, now, on, on the Colin Pates thing, one of the funniest thing I've seen in ages was a picture that a uh, friend of the show and regular guest uh, Mark Worrell and very big friend of the show and lovely, lovely chap Kelvin Barker posted a picture taken in Starbucks with Colin Pates on Saturday where Marco put, when Pates went up to lift the Starbucks cup, we were there, <laughs> we were there, which I just thought was brilliant. Um, anyway, look, the details on this this hard gig uh um, I, I will put it on the website, actually. That's probably the easiest thing to do. Um, but it's a Q&A session uh, with Gary Chivers and Colin Pates. It's on Friday the 3rd of February. It starts at 8 p.m. The bar's open from 7. Tickets cost 12 quid or can be purchased in advance for 12 quid or 15 quid on the night. It's in the Vice President's Lounge of Sutton United Football Club. The mighty Sutton, of course, who've got Leeds at home in the Cup. Get soon. in, Sutton. I'm sure there'll be lots of Chelsea down there. Tee hee hee. Uh, Me included. Anyway, it's the Borough Sports Ground. Gander Green. It's your manor, isn't it? It Alex? is my manor. It's my yeah. Paris. Get your ass down there. Get your ass down 28 there. 28 quid. 28 pounds they want. No, no, I'm not talking about the match. Get your ass down to this this do on the 3rd of uh, February. Anyway, so the Borough Sports Ground, Gander Green Lane, Sutton, Surrey. For more information, email suttonsports at sky.com or call Paul. I hope he's tall. And then you can call tall Paul uh, on 07793630622. I will put this up on, on some media so you can all see it because uh, it looks like a kraken, kraken do. Uh, 
and there's another plug actually because this lovely lad uh, rangers underscore bogner on uh, on twitter asked me to do and I, I i take huge pleasure in doing it um it's the rangers legends versus the chelsea old boys at sutton united again on saturday the 17th of june long time away but uh, get it in your diaries now three o'clock uh, the official launch with ticket details hospitality sponsorship etc will be on friday the 3rd of feb the same day as gary chivers do um, for Chelsea, uh, Dave Besant, Ken Moncow, Kerry Dixon, Jody Morris, Paul Cannaville, uh, Torrey Andre, Flo, Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank will all be playing. Now that is a lineup, isn't it? Lovely. Uh, and for Rangers, Gordon, Jury, Alex Ray, Marco Negri, Mark Falco, Charlie Miller, to name but a few. Uh, there's a pre-match lunch for those that are interested. Match tickets uh, for terracing: twelve quid adults, six quid kids. Seats are 15 quid for adults, 7.50 for kids. Any queries, don't hesitate to ask on Twitter at Rangers underscore Bogner. Or I wouldn't, I would, you know, I always remember that line. Jonathan remind me, the, the comedy. Was it Noel Coward, Bugger Bogner? Was no, it was supposed to be George the Fifth. George the Fifth, yes. George the Fifth said Bugger it Bogner. It was, it was my man, George the Fifth. I'm so, they're so glad for some historical intelligence mm-hmm. on this show, unlike me. All right, my good people, uh, I'm afraid that that is all we've got time for this week. It's been absolutely fantastic, and I really, really enjoyed it. I hope you have uh, even half as much. Now, make sure you download the uh, next Kerry Dixon show, which will be out this Thursday. Kerry and I will be previewing the Brentford and the Liverpool matches, probably talking a little bit about the Hull match, and also I will get the lowdown on uh, basically whether Kerry has pulled a hammy because he was playing for the old boys in Lanzarote, would you believe, on Sunday. So he missed the match, but uh, hopefully he had a lovely time, got some warm weather training in as well. Uh, Anyway, I hope he's come back uh, fit and well. That's the main thing. Now, uh, I will be back, of course, next Monday night, accompanied by Jonathan, as always, uh, and also uh, Clayton Beerman and Tony Glover. It'll It'll be like being in the cock in hand pub uh, on a match day minus Jonathan. You need to come and see us. I know you don't drink, uh, but you can come oh, and see us. Go on, Jonathan. Oh, you love a bit um, of cock. I do. I, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. My, my eight-year-old daughter is sitting here next to me. I'm sorry. She doesn't understand. It's a pub. I have to explain it, this to her now. I know. Public house. It's a pub. Say something. Put a carry-on, Phil. Up the chills. Hello. Hello. <laughs> a star in the making, Jonathan. She's even got the same kind of intonation as you. Hello. I, I hope so. She's well-trained. Give her a big kiss from us. We love her. Now, listen, we've got to move on. Uh, we've got Jonathan, Clayton and Tony on the show with me next week. That's going to be a cracker. Now, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter, at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stamford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Dan at Dan Silves 73 and last but by no means least, the most intelligent and the most beautiful of us all, uh, at Churchill underscore Alex. Uh, and, of course, you can check out the website, ChelseaFancast.com, which uh, has, is now producing more blogs than ever before, I'm delighted to say. And uh, I'm always very pleased to uh, to host uh, Alex's wonderful girl who likes balls blogs when she sends it to me. It's great having it on there, Alex. It's quality stuff. I love reading Hurrah. it. It's brilliant. Uh, so there we go. So many thanks to the Chelsea Fancast bloggers. Let's hear it for them. Keep them coming. Uh, but most of all, uh, many, many thanks to the lovely Alex Churchill for being on again. We'll get you back on soon, Alex, because the public Hurrah. demand it. Oh, really? I'd still think you're just talking about my mum and maybe one other sado somewhere, but it's very nice of you to say. 
They were all saying it in Mixler earlier on how much they like having you on the show. So you you, you can come back soon. I'm doing the schedule soon, so I'll, I'll make sure I'll, I'll include you in that. Uh, lovely to see you here. Uh, Dan, as always, great to see you in the pub on Saturday, mate. Cracking, cracking uh, pre-match, wasn't it? hundred percent, yeah. It's, it's better than a game sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I, I you oh. know, it is. It's just great fun seeing all those lovely people. It's just great. I enjoyed it. I sound like Donald Definitely, Trump. Yeah. It's just great, 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 so great, so great, great. making Chelsea great again. <laughs> uh, but Dan, yeah, brilliant to see you as always. Yeah. Thanks for uh, bearing up on the show uh, as always. And last but no means least, uh, the uh, star, the real star of the show. Uh, let's hear it for Mr. Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> There you go. The check's in the post, JK, and I'll see you soon, mate. Now, uh, of course, the... Yes, well, of course, yes, Freudian slip. Uh, The biggest thanks of all, of course, go to you lovely people who uh, sit and listen to us waffling on in Mixler Live. I think it just astonishes astonishes me that you have the patience, but I love you all for it. And, of course, everybody who listens to the podcast. Uh, That's it from us. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chels. Up the chairs! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.